Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Welcome to Fight Night on TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. It is a pleasure once again to be in your company. We've got three hours of the very best boxing conversation. All the fallout from last week's action, obviously, in LA. We'll be looking ahead towards an action-packed night in New York City. And we'll be keeping you up to date with everything that's going on in Sheffield throughout the course of the night. And, of course, we will be addressing the big stories of the week. Alongside me, as ever, the one, the only, Mr. Gareth A. Davis. How are you, big boy? I'm still scraping me tan off from Los mm. Angeles at the moment, Adam. I don't know about you. Jet lag. I've just, I've just got over it. <laughs> I've just managed to get over my jet lag, which I have for five days, mate. Oh, <laughs> you lightweight. You lightweight. I knew you'd get hit by it, but you were on great form when we were out there. I knew it would hit at some point. Mm. Uh, listen, there's a lot going on. Um, we're going to have all the debrief of last week. We're going to be speaking to Ben Davison, who's still out in the States. Frank Warren's going to be on the show. Uh, we'll be speaking to uh, Don McGuinness intermittently because he's at Sheffield where Kel Brook's fighting tonight. And of course, uh, my favourite fighter, Vasil Lomachenko, is fighting this evening at Madison Square Garden, as is Isaac Dogby. We'll be talking about him as well as we build up uh, this show for the next three hours. So do stick with us. It's me, it's Gareth, it's a lot of boxing chat. And here we go with the headlines of the week. Well, to be fair, we normally do three headlines of the week and I could do all three on the exact same thing. However, I'm going to shoehorn two others in. So the top one, as I'm sure is no surprise to you, we were robbed of the greatest boxing comeback story of all time. The Gypsy King himself, he shedded the best part of a Lomachenko, 140 pounds. He stepped into the ring against the WBC heavy hitter in Deontay Wilder and in our opinion on the panel, he pulled off the victory. However, one Mexican judge saw it a different and therefore ended a draw. Controversy always breeds cash, though, and we're expecting, hopefully, if the WBC or anything to go by, a rematch sometime in the summer. Here's number two. Last week, 
I know that Gareth obviously hobnobs every week with the rich and the famous, but last week I was very fortunate to sit in the presence of Terence Crawford and we had a little bit of a conversation about his upcoming bout. I thought it was going to be former Ricky Hatton uh, and uh, Amir Khan. Um, compatriot, Mr. Colazzo. However, it might even be Amir Khan himself, which kind of throws a spanner into the works of tonight, because I thought that Amir Khan might be getting into the ring with Kelbrook for a little bit of a showdown and announcing a fight at the start of next year. It still might happen. However, Terence Crawford or Kelbrook, if you're Amir Khan, which one do you choose? We'll discuss it later on. Number three. As I said a little earlier on in the show, the best fighter on the planet, in my opinion, is fighting tonight. Madison Square Garden is the destination. He's been out with an injury since his fight with Jorge Linares. But tonight, he steps in against uh, Mr. Pedraza for a lightweight unification. Can Vasil Lomachenko unify the division and set his sights on Mikey Garcia? That's the fight that we want in 2019. We'll be discussing the possibilities of that a little later on. Uh, now then, Gareth. Let's get uh, stuck straight in, shall we, my friend, to uh, last week. Obviously, we were out in L.A. enjoying ourselves. Well, I say enjoying ourselves. A lot of, I, care, I don't know about you, right? But I, I know that you went um, up to San Francisco after uh, the L.A. Mm-hmm. shenanigans, mm-hmm. right? I yep. came home um, and I was greeted by my wife and children. My wife, the first thing she said to me, did you enjoy your holiday? I don't think people fully understand, do they, Gareth? I know that they see the L.A. tag, but... Yes, all right, we're having a good time. But it's work, isn't it, mate? Please back me up. She's listening, so it's nine listen, to five type stuff, listen, isn't it? Listen, your wife is an avid listener of yours, all right? And you've been calling me out on holiday for about a year and a half, however I go away. So you had a little bit of your own treatment. Listen, yes. as you well know, the time difference, mm. catching up the eight hours, yes. it's non-stop. We're all day in the media room. It goes on very late at night, the whole thing. It is, it is a slog, but it's a very, very rewarding one and it was last week it was a very full week you know we were we were with eight of the old leading heavyweights oh, in the tremendous. world on the Friday weren't we we mm. you and I sat down with Evander Holyfield people can listen to that uh, on last week's show if they want to listen to that on the podcast he was fascinating with us mm. um, you know we, we, we spoke to all kinds of people we had chats to Bud, Bug, Buster Douglas to Lennox Lewis to Riddick Bowe um, it, it was it was amazing and like you say um, it is a holiday but it's only a holiday because the sun's shining. The weather's fantastic in L.A. and the light's brilliant. But more than anything, it was the intensity of the week that, that was exhausting. It, it, there, there, were, there were just moments all week which were... You had to sit and study them from, you know, working back... Uh, from the fight itself and the night, which had so much drama and so much... It was just so dramatic towards the end. But through the week, there was a, a genuine build. The fans coming in, 8,000 fans, 9,000 fans for Tyson Fury. No one, apparently, for Wilder at the weigh-in. Mm. That great atmosphere. You know, going back to the Thursday, when, you know, the the, the undercard press conference was fascinating. And... You know, on 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 the the main press conference itself, where Tyson Fury got right under the skin of Deontay Wilder, and you know, and then fast forwarding again to the night itself, Adam, you know, who 
could have thought that Tyson Fury's boxing yeah. skills would be so acute still, as you say, after losing the weight of a Lomachenko, <laughs> after all the depression, the comebacks, you know, the two very easy comeback fights that he really did. I think in boxing terms, school Deontay Wilder. I had him 115, 110, maybe 115, 111 for, for Tyson Fury. But you know what, Adam? I see the same fight the second time around. Mm. Um Wilder's hands are going to be dangerous all the way through. You listen to people like Richard Towers, who says that when you spar with Deontay Wilder, he's as dangerous in the last round as he is in the first round. And we saw that in the fight. Mm. So I think we're going to see the same fight all over again. And I know we're going to speak to Frank Warren shortly. But, you know, it's going to be a brilliant spectacle. And it's kind of put Anthony Joshua... And, and his promoter, Eddie Hernan, slightly on the back foot at the moment, I would say. We, I think we're both in agreement that the draw is an absolute farce. For those that don't know anything about this, and maybe you're on your way home from the football, last week, Deontay Wilder was the host, the WBC champion. We all went over to LA. Tyson Fury was the was the challenger uh, on this particular night, and the fight finished in a draw. 115-111 for Wilder from one judge. 114-112 uh, uh, for Tyson Fury. That's exactly how I scored it. And then we had the English judge scoring it 113-113, which is believable. That is, that is the best score possible for Deontay Wilder. I agree, in no, completely in no, agree. Completely in no way, agree. shape or form should he have got a 115-111. Anyway, yeah. we get a draw. And as we said last week in the in the post-fight podcast, which is still available online, go and have a little bit of a listen because me and Gareth were in the press conference at the time when Tyson Fury singing Bye Bye Miss American Pie in the background. Uh, but at that particular time, we did both say controversy always brings us cash. We got it with Canelo versus Triple G. We're going to get it once again, aren't we? We have to see it once again. Yeah, we've got to see it. I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. It's brilliant that the World Boxing Council on Friday, Adam, their their, their committee voted in favour of an immediate rematch. And what that means is the mandatory challenger, Dominic Brazil, mm. to, um, to Deontay Wilder is put in abeyance. Uh, that challenge is put in abeyance and they order a rematch because they're not, they're, they're not satisfied that their champion was a clear winner. And, you know, it does very much side, in my view, with Tyson and Fury's cause. There are other um, kind of reasons as well. They know how well it will do financially. Let's not be. Let's not uh, close the curtains and put the mist there, um, and and let the viewers uh, of the fight and the listeners tonight know that one of the big reasons it's going ahead is because of business. And as you said yeah. rightly, a second fight after a controversial first fight always means even bigger business. Now we understand that they earn ten million and f- and twelve million dollars each, um, uh, Fury and uh, Wilder respectively, mm. and they can expect to earn probably half more maybe yeah. 16 million for fury 20 million for wilder in a second fight we, um we've spoken on many occasions about the possibility of the, the big three in this division that's no disrespect to anybody else but fury wilder joshua they're the big three we want to see them guys going at it not just once but on several occasions you've said it on many occasions gareth on this show right so does the draw even though we both think it's a load of bs does the draw position us perfectly now for 2019 to see those fights quicker than we maybe first anticipated um, potentially, but I, I think what 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 I think we have to applaud. What what I want to do is I want to applaud Tyson Fury on three counts. First of all, that he scattered the belts to the wind by beating Vladimir Klitschko almost just over three years ago. Secondly, that he came back so quickly and took on the hardest fights within a year, and I think that is extraordinary within the same calendar year. But thirdly, what it does. It forces the hand of all the unbeaten heavyweights. Um, it forces the hand of um, 
the, the promoters to force these guys together even quicker. It's potentially, I think we might get a similar fight uh, with Wilder and Fury the second time. Mm. It could be another close fight. We may end up seeing them in a trilogy, Adam, mm. which would force the Joshua fight with either of them into 2020. Now, the big issue around Anthony Joshua in 2019 now, in that April fight, is if Derek Chisora wins against Dillian White on December the 22nd in London, does he rightfully fight against Anthony Joshua? And will they be able to do the big sell on it? I mm. think they probably will. You know, David Hay behind it. He's now um, Chisora's manager. They'll build Derek Chisora up as War Chisora. So I think the hard job for... Um, the heavyweight division right now is actually building Joshua towards his next fight. Mm. Everyone's excited about Wilder and Fury. And I think with that performance, because they all have their own qualities, uh, Joshua is a very good finisher and a very decent boxer. Fury is clearly the best boxer in the division. Um, and, and Wilder's the biggest puncher in the division. Um, they've all got different qualities. I think Fury, for me, edges towards the number one spot right now in my mm. mind. I don't know about you, because yes. Ring Magazine have made him number two. Yeah. But for me, he goes to number one. Yeah, and, and, and moments ago when you said uh, that last weekend's fight kind of does do... Not damage, because in no way, shape or form is Anthony Joshua's reputation or Eddie Hearn's re reputation damaged in any way, shape or form. But what it does do is that it creates another avenue for fans. And fans will look at last week, they'll see what is classed as the best against the best, and they won't now put up with anything inferior for Anthony Joshua. He has to he has to get in the mix with these two boys. He has to. He can't just now have a have a 2019 just plodding along. And that's no disrespect to him and that you know whether he's taking mandatories and all that type of stuff. Those type of excuses won't wash I don't think with fans anymore. Fans know full well that unifications and bringing the division together will top trump any type of mandatory and they they they're, they're going to expect him at least at one point next year to be in the mix with these two lads. Definitely. If the opportunity's there, he now has to take it. I mean, you know, all the accusations of, of ducking or hiding uh, in the past um, are, are irrelevant now because we, we, we are moving towards a climax and mm. we are going to find out who the king of the division is in the next three or four fights. Uh, well, we're going to be speaking uh, to Ben Davison, whose stock most certainly has risen um, over the last 18 months as he's been working with Tyson Fury. Firstly, of course, making him fall back in love with boxing. Then, of course, on the weight loss. And then coming up with a uh, perfect game plan uh, for him to uh, dance rings around uh, Deontay Wilder for the majority of the fight anyway. And we're going to be speaking to Ben next on the show. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Uh, welcome to Fight Night. You're listening to TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. Alongside me as ever, Gareth A. Davis. Um, we are near enough fresh off a plane from uh, LA last week as we were ringside for Wilder versus Fury. Uh, Gareth, I've got a little bit of a take, actually, of, uh, of, of the next step. Because as you mentioned a couple of moments ago, the WBC now have given the thumbs up uh, to the possibilities of a rematch. We'll speak to Frank shortly. Frank Warren, that is, the promoter, uh, that will be tasked with uh, coming together with the American side in order to make that rematch and the destination and all that type of stuff. We'll speak about it in a, in a few moments or so. But from a Deontay Wilder point of view, I don't know where you're at, Gareth. If I'm Deontay Wilder, knowing um, how that fight went... I personally wouldn't want anything to do with Tyson Fury yet as a rematch. What I would be doing is thinking, well, 
this is now my opportunity to unify and become undisputed champion and I fancy myself in a gun show with Anthony Joshua. Let's get after that one. Let's get all the belts and then let's do the rematch. I don't know where you're at with it, mate. Um, well, uh, you know, look, he called immediately that he wasn't interested in the unification fight with, um, if mm. you recall, with Anthony Joshua, that he wanted an immediate rematch with Tyson Fury. He's come out with the fact... I mean, I heard... It never came out in Fight Week, but I heard that he'd had a staff infection. Yeah, you did. You said that to me on the <laughs> fight. I'm yeah. fine, now, didn't you? Yeah. Go on, son. You cough that up. Get, get it all out of your system, lad. Go getting... on. That, that's, what, that's the LA bug. That's what that is. I tell you what, there's the LA <laughs> phlegm coming out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that's the Apologise p- if you're eating your dinner yeah, this evening. Gareth's that, brought a bit of a layback with that's him. That's a P-H-L-E-G-M <laughs> flat out right there. Um, no, th- th- um, there was talk about him having had a staph infection. Um, he had said that he'd broken his arm yeah. 12 weeks going into the fight. I mean, you know, the, the fighters can come out with all kinds of reasons afterwards. He, he got the toughest fight of his career, no question about it. Mm-hmm. He looked relieved at the result. Having said that... Look how easy, Adam, the negotiation was to do. Look how much he enjoyed the promotion, Mm -hmm. how much he respected the guy. All he had for the previous five months before that fight was made was frustration, because I spoke to him myself about it, at the negotiations with the Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn axis. Um, You know, it it was Well, he's had a frustrating career, hasn't he? Because he he made the fight with Povetkin. Povetkin failed a drug test, so therefore... And he he signed up to do that in Russia. So the guy's been chasing a big fight for a long time. He has. And, 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 you know, it's kind of worked against his career in many ways. And it's, you know, his modus operandi was always to go for the toughest fights. And, Mm. you know, looking at Povetkin's style, he may well have given Wilder serious problems as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a difficult style matchup for him, no doubt about it. Um, Look what Ortiz was for him, a very difficult fight and Povetkin knows his way around a ring as well I think Wilder would have prevailed in that fight um, but I think it would have been another great fight and as you say prepared to go on the road I think the frustrations of dealing uh, with Hearn and 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 with Joshua had just got to him he clearly enjoyed the fight with 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 Tyson Fury he also clearly showed what will and determination he's got because he did not have a lot of success in the fight Uh, Fury made him you know look kind of very amateurish very cumbersome at times but we've seen his extraordinary power Mm. and and he believes in himself and I think Mm. that was what was extraordinary about his performance in this fight one one of the things that I will say about him as well um, and I hope we get Ben Davison on the phone in a minute is um, you know that they believed that they had the makings of beating Wilder as well. And I think Wilder is very much up to the task. He will. He knows he can almost double his money, Adam. Mm-hmm. And there's no point letting the fight go now. Because if he does lose to Joshua, um, he doesn't have the same yeah, kind doesn't. of cachet. Yeah. Um, if, but he can lose to... Um, Fury. Fury will fight Joshua, and we know that Wilder will fight Joshua afterwards. I think Wilder and Joshua is a is a shootout, myself, and I think Wilder yeah, I has a very good chance in that fight. And I know everyone's divided about who wins out of Fury and Joshua, but I do think that is the richest fight on the planet because I do think that boxing is bigger here than anywhere else. I think and it's it, the most entertaining fight. There's no question about that because I think there will be 100% be a knockout in that fight. But that was what was fantastic about last Saturday night, yes. Adam. They 
talked big. They the theatrics were amazing over several months. They are two huge men. They got under each other's skin. They created panto and event after event around it all. But they really delivered on the night, and that's what counts, you know. And one of the points that you've just made there regarding Deontay Wilder, and we've we've got to give him credit for this. A lot of maybe non-boxing fans won't understand this we have seen some great champions down the years waft in thin air against elite level fighters and give up we're, we're going to be witnessing Lomachenko in the early hours of the morning he's made five top level top level contestants guys that have that have won olympic gold medals waft in air for five six rounds and they just packed in they've walked out the ring they've said no mass i don't want no more Deontay wilder did not do that he was wafting thin air for such a long period of time but he still believed that he only needed one and he got him, didn't he? He got one in the ninth. Okay, he didn't catch him clean enough, but he did catch him clean in the twelfth. And he will think there's there's debate there, isn't there? There's loads of chat there now where Deontay Wilder will be thinking to himself, if I'd have gone a little bit earlier, I might have got rid of this guy, you know? So that you've got to you've got to take your hat off to the way that he operated in that whole twelve rounds. Yeah, to, ab- absolutely. Look, and and look when we get hold of Ben, and I know we will because he's, he's he's just given us another number to call him on. By the way, Adam, we will get him in a minute. What I, that BT Sport Boxing put out a fantastic, and it's worth anyone listening go and watch it on um on their Twitter feed today. They they put, they put it out earlier this afternoon, and it's Ben Davison's advice to Tyson Fury throughout the fight. And Mm. one of the fascinating things late on in the fight, and we can ask Ben about this, I'm pretty sure he said at one point, you're making him look foolish, but you're enjoying it too much. I.e., you're kind of enjoying your boxing there too much. Take advantage of it. And he spotted loads of times where... I mean, I spoke to Ben about this in the build-up, and it wasn't something I wanted to reveal all the time because I'd I was party to some of his not sparring, but some of his workouts where he was, you know, and these are, these are part of the things that we get as insiders that you don't really want to give people's game plan away, but you get to see what they're doing. And he was very, very, very good between rounds. You know, I've I've got it on good authority that Tyson Fury will ring win Ring Magazine Comeback of the Year. Who else is going to be better than that? And I think Ben is in the running for um, Ring Magazine Trainer of the Year. Because if you think what he's, you know, Tyson Fury, three fights in one year, they're obviously going to be other contenders. You know, Eddie Reynoso mm. and the Reynoso, Reynoso guys with um, with, uh, with with Canelo, of course, and, and others around the place. But we've got Ben on the line, by the way. Great stuff. Ben, welcome to the show. Listen, I know that when we uh, when we spoke to you after uh, the final, final, final press conference last Sunday morning uh, over in the States, you basically looked at us and said, right, lads, I don't want to see you anymore. Leave me alone. I'm going on my holidays. And I know that you're on holiday at this moment in time. So hopefully it's going well for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, all good. A uh, little break away. Well deserved, well earned, and uh, very much needed. No, absolutely, mate. Now, listen, um, off the back of what we now... So last Saturday night, the dust has settled. You've had a little bit of time to maybe dwell on it over a, a beer and chatted to the family against, uh, about it. Obviously, we spoke to you last week. We know how emotional and how passionate you were feeling about the result. Where are you at right at this moment in time? But is it the same or has it started to die down a bit? Well, look, at the, the end of the day, very, very disappointed because like I said on the night, we come to win. We didn't come for anything else. Didn't come for money. Didn't come to turn up. Didn't come to survive. We come to win and, you know, I feel and many others feel that we did that. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, the history books will go down as a draw. But I think the world knows that Tyson won that fight and uh, it was 
is getting the credit that he deserves and you know so that sort of uh, softens the blow a little bit for us Ben I I, um, I mentioned to Adam before we managed to get you on air and I hope you're enjoying uh Disneyland or wherever you are at the moment um but the but the um and thank you for coming on I'm sorry for hassling you earlier to come on the show because you are on holiday um BT Sport released um a brilliant Twitter video earlier of you giving advice to Tyson Fury between rounds and I'm pretty sure at one point you said to him you're making him look foolish too much it's almost like you didn't want him to box him too much at certain points in the fight but almost take advantage of Deontay and I've got to say your advice during rounds was during the break was incredible yeah thank you I saw the little video that BC done uh, there was a few words that, that, that got mixed up in the translation but um, it was right what I was saying to Tyson there was I didn't want Tyson he was enjoying making him miss and making him miss a bit easy he was making him miss with three or four shots Mm. I didn't want him to do that. I wanted him to make him miss one or two and Counter. tie him up because he's a yeah. man, you know, mm. um, and not take any silly chances. But uh, as you can see, look, one mistake in the 12th round nearly ended the fight. So uh, everything needed to be spot on. But, you know, by that point, by the time the fight comes around, we've been through it so many times that he knows what he needs to do. I'm just tweaking a few things here and there through the fight. Ben, on the big night, on the on, on the big occasion... We, we spoke about this in the build-up on the show last week with you, and you were speaking about the mental strength of Tyson Fury, and you had no doubts whatsoever about him during the fight and on the occasion. But for me, when I saw him at the, at the top of the ring walk, it reminded me so much of being back in Dusseldorf. There's, there's certain guys on this planet that are just built for the big occasion, and Tyson Fury is most certainly one of them. He's, he's just got it, hasn't he? He has, and I did say to you on... Oh. When I, when I spoke to you last time um, before the fight, I said that the difference will be mentally. And again, we're seeing it already with Deontay's comments after the fight. Mm. He's weak-minded in, in terms of, obviously he's at that level, so he's strong-minded in many many ways. But in certain ways, he's weak-minded. He, he can't be realistic with himself, and he will not improve and keep improving if he can't be realistic with himself. Whereas Tyson is. Tyson can be realistic. And I said to you throughout throughout the whole of the fight week, he was very realistic about the situation, but still supremely confident and supremely calm. We're going to be speaking to Frank in a moment or two. Uh, and I know that you're and Tyson's probably going to say Old Trafford, but me and Gareth want Vegas if you can sort it out, mate, if that's all right uh, for the rematch. No, I want Old Trafford. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going Vegas, Gareth. Come yeah, on, we well, need, we need no, to get back I, I, there, I, Well, I, don't, I, I think it'll be a hard negotiation to get <laughs> Old Trafford. I do think we will end up in Vegas. But and what I wanted to ask Ben was as well, Tyson's put a video out today um, of him in back in the gym. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how, how do you feel about that, Ben? I mean, that's, that's legacy from this fight as well, isn't it? Yeah, look, uh, one of the main things that through this, of course, look, what we've achieved in the boxing sense is fantastic and I'm very, very proud of it and I'm very proud of Tyson and, and you know, I'm very pleased that he's getting the respect that he deserves but the transformation outside of the ring and mentally and emotionally is the biggest transformation and what I'm most proud of and that what means the most to me because, you know, the man's back happy again he's enjoying life and, yeah. you know, you can have all the treasures in the world but if you're not happy and in a good mental place, they're worth nothing, they're worthless and that's what's most important. Top, man. Ben, we're going to let you get back on your holiday, my friend. Say hello to Mickey Mouse for us, and we'll see you soon. All right, pal? Oh, no. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Take mate. Care. Cheers, Take mate. Care. Thanks.
Superb. And um, one thing that I will say, Gareth, um, you've obviously spent a lot of time with Tyson and Ben in that camp, and you've spent a lot of time around him just talking and philosophising about about boxing in general. Last week was probably the first time that I've been around Ben and just just off camera, off microphone and things like that. I was incredibly impressed with the way that he speaks. He is a very calm, cool, collected chap himself, not just Tyson Fury, isn't he? Well, look, I, I, I first went, with, um, went to see Ben in Marbella last uh, May, but he just kind of struck up his friendship with with Tyson. He was still training Billy Joe Saunders at the time. And Tyson said then on that trip, um, you know, with that interview, I went and sat down with him in the MTK gym, that, you know, he may well end up being trained by Ben. Look, Ben lived with him literally at home for 12 months, had a week off, a couple of weeks off. And he's done an extraordinary job. And he is an exceptional young man. I've, I've kind of grown quite close to him in that way, in that kind of professional way. Mm. Um, I think he thoroughly deserves being in the running for Ring Magazine Trainer of the Year. Um, you know, he, he's done just such a great job. And forget his age, that he was 26 in the week of the fight. He's got great acumen when it comes to being a... He's a very, very aware young man. Mm. He's got an old head on his shoulders. In fact, yeah. I met his father on the night as well, Adam Grant, who was there. And, you know, very similar. The old man is a, <laughs> is a, is a, a very good head on him. And, and, and you know, um, I, I, I haven't spoken about this yet on air, and I'd like to talk about it a little bit tonight as we go through the show, if we talk about Tyson. I, I, I really had the privilege and the real trust of their camp. Yeah. They invited me into the dressing room for the last hour before he walked out. And those things you were talking about, I want to talk about tonight at some point on the show about the intricacies of what was going on in the dressing room in that last hour because it really was a privilege to be there and I've written about it as well um, but I just want to pull out some of the details that I found fascinating I'm sure the listeners and you will yeah, as well absolutely you know? mate uh, Gareth just on uh, Frank what a fantastic year it has been uh, for his promotional company at the start of the year the majority of what you were class as I, I hate using the term casual boxing fans, but the casual boxing fan would have only thought that there's one promoter uh, promoting boxing in the UK. Um, but Frank, with his partnership with BT Sport this year, has risen once again. And I'll tell you something, he's finishing the year in some style because we've got another one coming up uh, just before Christmas with Frampton Warrington, haven't we? Yeah, it's a terrific fight. And of course, um, Josh Warrington uh, at Leeds at Talland Road earlier in the year, Adam against um, Lee Selby was a tremendous occasion. Um, you know, we, we, we both watched the documentary about Josh Warrington. Fantastic. Just re- it was absolutely very, very fantastic. good. His dad, Sean, is Sean O'Hagan, is an absolute superstar, and I'm looking forward to, to hugging it out and wrestling with him, big man that he is <laughs> when I see him. No, really, he, he, he is a very, very... What I love is an authentic human being, and, and you cannot get a more authentic man than him smoking away with his... 20 fags a day and going having his having his fried breakfast in the place but utterly dedicated to his son Josh Warrington and you know uh, that 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 documentary as much as a tribute as it is as it was to the extraordinary journey that Josh mm. Warrington's come on in his city is the journey he's been through with his father who raised him and I, I I was so taken by it I, I must confess I shed a few emotional tears watching it, is. it and, it's and fantastic it really, really is, is. It um, really is. the man that obviously is uh, promoting that fight is with us now he was the man responsible for uh, giving us that heavyweight clash uh, last week with uh, a few American promoters as well. Frank Warren, thank you so much for your time on this Saturday evening. How are you, sir? You good? I'm feeling good. Arsenal won just about 
Uh, back, listen, back into the top four as top three? That's it. They're flying this yeah, lot yeah, now. Yeah. Flying. Yeah, flying. they're flying. Absolutely flying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Frank, Gareth said it, uh, a little earlier on the show for people that weren't aware on, on Friday, we heard from the WBC that they've given the go-ahead now for the rematch. Um, they've said an immediate rematch between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury is their priority. What, uh, from a promoter's point of view now, is obviously your next stage is to get that on? Yeah, well, we just, we've got to negotiate now and see if we can get it here or in the States. You know, I'd like to do the fight here. Tyson would like like it here. But we've got, you know, we've got a bit of a way to go yet. And, um, we, you know, it'd just be a process of negotiation. I've got a date here, which I'd like to get it on, which is April the 18th. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was checking the Man United fixtures, actually. In April 13th, they've got, uh, they've got West Ham at home. Because I thought that you just might go with that. Well, I think it's, you know, the, the April date. Is it the 13th is the Saturday? Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll go on the 20th. Then I've done that. One thing for sure, which is a fact of life now and how the world you know, goes around, we've got the heavyweight fight that matters. Mm. Well, a lot of people were saying that last week and we, myself and Gareth, were having that conversation on the show and we did conclude that the winner of last week's event would be classed as the number one heavyweight uh, on the planet. We didn't get a winner, we got a draw, so therefore we go again to find out who the number one heavyweight on the planet is, don't we? That's right, you know, I mean, look, look I think everybody, but everybody thought that um, Tyson won it. And I think, I even think your ratings at the moment, you've put him in at number one. So Mm. we're all on the same page with that. It's all about the best fighting the best. And these two guys stepped up to the plate and made it happen. How brilliant, Frank, though, just saying to Ben Davison, who was on, he's in um, he's in Disneyland at the moment. In fact, he's just sent me a picture of him with Mickey Mouse and I've just tweeted it. Um, th- how brilliant that, that Tyson today puts out a little video of himself jogging on the running machine in the gym, you know, that he's got the bug back. And got he, the eye of the tiger. Yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant to see that, isn't it, you know? Well, it certainly is. He said, you know, funny thing, he, spoke, he said, I want to be out in March. He wants to be out, and that was it. You know, that was before, obviously, the WBC... Um, made their mm. decision, and, and you know we're going to. He wants to be out. He's got the bit between his teeth. He's a fighter, and he's he's got a massive enthusiasm for the uh, you know for for, for for boxing, and it's it, it's he's literally turned his life around. I mean, literally turned it around mm. from being where he was a year ago to today. It's just it's just it's a marvel. Frank, you've also said that um, you've said to me today. We spoke this morning as well for a Sunday Telegraph piece that that you know um, victory against Tyson, against Deontay Wilder in, in a second in the rematch fight, the second fight, there is nowhere to hide for for um, Anthony Joshua and Eddie Hearn then because you want to unify or Tyson wants to unify the belts afterwards. He does want to, but you know what? No one's chasing after them anymore. You know that game's that game's finished. No one has to chase after them. The man, these two guys have overtaken them because they dared to do, they dared to to get it on, dared to get it together. The two two undefeated fighters, and by the way, they're still both undefeated yeah. because of the judging. Mm. But they dared dared to do it. They've dared to be great. They've dared to be great, haven't and they? they you know? and, yeah. and that's the real fight. I mean, look, you know, the winner of Derek Chisora against um, Derek Chisora and um, Dillian, Dillian White. White. Mm. I mean, you're looking at that against. Anthony Joshua, come on now. You can't even compare it. Mm. These guys are the real deal. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, where we are now, we, we, we are, we're in, a, we're in a, you know, in a brilliant place for the heavyweight division. And we've got a British guy in, in there who, who will fight anybody and go to the other guy's backyard to do it. What I want to see for him now, and this is going to be the challenge, is to get the fight over in the UK. Mm. 
Just on the uh, judging, you mentioned it there. Um, we, we've had loads of people messaging us this week that were maybe new eyes to boxing because they've been listening to our show. They thought, go on then, I'll give you a chance, lads. You've been banging on about it for ages. We'll come and watch it. And then they come to us on the Monday morning when we land back in the UK and they're asking us, how was that a draw? And Gareth's been following this for many, many years, as have I, and I can't explain it. I can't explain to him why it was a draw. So how damaging is that, what we saw last week, to trying to grow the sport to new eyes? Well, I agree with you. I mean, you know, sometimes the sport, boxing's a, a magnificent sport, you know, at its best. And we've got the best athletes in there against each other. It's got all the drama of life. And you've got these guys sitting on the outside determining people's future. And what you want is a fair, fair, you know, level, level playing field. Now, sometimes it's not that they're crooked. I don't know which, you know, maybe they favour somebody. I don't know. But we've had, it's not the first bad decision. This no. Year. We've had a couple of, couple of fights with them. Um, Golovkin and, um, and Triple G uh, uh, Triple and Canelo, G. yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, Canelo. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But, oh, yeah, get, get me at it. <laughs> yeah, you had, you had, that's they were, in my opinion, I thought Triple G won both those fights. Mm. But the judges, they're taking it away from 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 the boxers. And what the problem is with boxing, as opposed, say, to you know football, is if these guys get it wrong, they go on, they go on with an you know, a few weeks or a month later, and they're still judging fights. They're not demoted. Nothing happens to them like happens in football. If you get a bad, you get the bad decisions in a in a Premiership, you go down a division. Mm. That doesn't happen. Well, Fra- Frank, and it's outrageous, and that they they kill kill the sport. Fra- it's Fra- impossible for everybody to see sport, you know, see decisions in Tyson's situation so differently. Now, this judge, it weren't for the knockdowns. That judge. The Mexican would have scored the fight a, a draw. Yeah. The, British Fra- judge, mm. the British judge, who is a really good referee, mm. he give it a draw. He, you know, it's crazy. How do they see this? Everybody, every fighter, respected fighters, American fighters like Mayweather, you know, all the Teddy Atlas, uh, Showtime, and, and that Showtime are, are, uh, are Deontay Wilder's broadcasters. They all made Tyson the winner. This is madness. The, the, the incompetence of the judges. I, I, I suggested this after Adelaide Bird scored um, Canelo 118, oh, 110 against Golovkin, which was an absolute, one of the worst judging decisions you will ever see, yeah. given that, yeah. that, that you know, you're, you're looking at 10-2, that scoring <laughs> is, to Canelo, when he clearly lost eight of the rounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I suggested at the time was why don't the governing bodies and the commissions create a roster of judges who are, who are scored on their performances and the very biggest fights, which which have the biggest audiences in the world, you put the top-rated judges in for all of those fights. The one with the least poor record, if you like, or the best records. Like you say, they do it in every other sport, and it's time boxing did that kind of thing. Because the incompetence of judges... All right, you're going to get a bigger... Uh, we all know that a second fight and a controversial fight um, means that it's a bigger fight second time round and everyone will make more. But it doesn't do anything to, to, to raise the curtain and explain what's happening in the sport to those who are coming for the first time look it, it, you're, you're absolutely right it doesn't do that um gareth it, but but that fight irrespective of that would have been a great rematch anyway yeah mm. yeah but but the fact of the matter is you, you know you've asked a question there which is it's an impossible thing to happen you've got you've got these different governing bodies which is which is which is uh awful and you talk about adelaide but she went on to judge other fights straight up mm. yeah mm. you know that's what happened to her she went on and judged other fights how can that be right? It was, 
you know, not saying she's crooked, but it was absolute incompetence. Exactly. Beyond incompetence. Mm. Frank, listen, all the best with uh, the next one, 22nd of December. If you don't turn up in Manchester dressed as Father Christmas with that card that you put on, you've missed a trick, mate. That's what you need to be doing, all right? Listen, Christmas <laughs> is coming early for the boxing pack. <laughs> you've got a cracking fight. That is going to be a cracking fight. Please do not miss it. It's going to be a great fight. You can watch it on BT Box Office if you can't get a ticket. There you go. Uh, Frampton Warrington Cheers, Frank. should thank be an absolute you. cracker. And the undercard is a belter as well. Frank, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we'll speak a little bit more in the upcoming weeks of uh, Warrington versus Frampton for that IBF strap. It will be an unbelievable fight. It has, And he is right. Christmas has come early. Um, do stick with us uh, because there's a lot to get through. We're going to be uh, keeping you up to date with everything that's going on in Sheffield. And we've got uh, a New York card to talk about a little bit later on. And don't forget, next week, Rocky Fielding uh, is in action against Canelo. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, if you just joined us uh, for the first hour of the show, we've been looking back at our trip to LA last week uh, for Wilder versus Fury. Um, and we did, if you were following us on social media, you will have seen me doing a little bit of video backstage and uh, obviously in the changing room at one point. But Gareth A. Davis was in there for a, um, a good hour just before Tyson Fury was to make that ring walk. And I saw some fantastic pictures of you just observing the things that were going on in there, Gareth, with him and his team. Um, what an unbelievable experience. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, first of all, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a pleasure when you're trusted that much, where you're invited in to perhaps write a piece about the, the final minutes in the countdown you know, to someone's walkout. But given the extraordinary journey he's been on, Adam, yeah. I think, you know... And the it, magnitude of the fight. Yeah, and the magnitude of the fight and how much was resting on it. You know, to be to be able to be in there and, you know, Ricky Hatton pacing around chewing gum, Freddie Roach in the corner with his hand on his chin, you know, Frank Warren sitting there in a chair coming over and saying, we're going to do this. Believe me, we're going to do this. Tyson Fury bouncing around with Ben Davison. Mm. Um, that says as, two as, things. For me, that says two things. It says something about the relationship that you've got personally with Tyson and a lot about him I mean if that was me and this is the biggest moment of my life I probably you know I wouldn't want anybody in there you know well, I'd, be, well, I'd be that focused but he's so relaxed to be able to allow that to happen he is I think you know I've been documenting his journey as as I've explained over the last kind of year and a half and I've been seeing him on at several stages and um, you know it was great to big Shane his, his, his brother was there you know <laughs> as big as Tyson but twice as wide you know forcing a camera crew out at one point and um, the music that was on though you know Chris Stapleton, this kind of very emotional yeah, country so. music. Where there's, you know, we had Tom Jones, we had Kaiser Chiefs, I Predict a Riot, ACDC, Thunderstruck. So there was power and emotion and through it all you know Jay Diaz came in and witnessed the hands being uh, the gloves going on after the wraps the commission in and out mm. you know um, them checking the drinks he was going to have all these kind of things but Fury having a little lie down at one point I saw him get entirely dressed putting his cup on and everything but you know what he was cool as ice Adam and you said it you, you, you were describing to Ben earlier the walkout mm. where he looked so cool it was nothing like that there was nothing that was changed in the dressing room mm. I didn't see any nerves at all everyone else looked nervous he didn't him and Ben Davis and everyone else was pensive it was amazing to be in there he's got a very small and extraordinary team Christian Blacklock in there Asga Tair who, who got the um, uh, amazingly afterwards got the um, the foam under the canvas changed because yes. he thought it was too thick so you know he even thought at one point that there was marijuana being piped in but I think it's because it's legal in California <laughs> to be honest <laughs> <laughs> you do smell marijuana around the you place. Do. Um, but it was just, 
it was it was so professional they are such a tight-knit team they are so composed and they knew the risks but they knew that they just had to keep um there for tyson it was like that all eyes were on him it was extraordinary that almost as if he needed anyone to go to him in those moments that last 60 minutes before the fight they would be there but they didn't need to he was ready it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant from your point of view as a person that has been following this sport for such a long period of time and documenting it to be in that situation, that's a true honour. That that's one of the that's a career highlight for the magnitude of the fight and, and and for everything that has come with Tyson over the last year to eighteen months or even three years, let's say, to be in that moment, that hour before, just to just to breathe it in. Yeah, yeah, to, I, yeah. To, well, to, it's to have the history of it and to be able to document. It. I remember Thomas Hauser was often allowed into the dressing room. Muhammad Ali's biographer, he was allowed into the dressing room with Pacquiao and he was fighting and other fighters, and he's always talked to me of that privilege and I couldn't believe it when I was asked would I like to be on the list mm. to be allowed to go in it was a, no it was a, it was a it was a real privilege and and you know it's it's something that I haven't documented fully in detail yet. I wrote about it in the Telegraph it's online but you know to I, 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 I've made lots and lots more notes about it um, it's almost like it, 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 I was a fly on the wall apart from when he came over and he went right Russ you know <laughs> it's great in here this is not this is weird music isn't it he said to the Chris Stapleton track um, you know because it is very emotional but it's, he's been on an emotional journey. He's a very authentic human being, and I think I think we saw that on the night. You, look at Wilder. He's such a dangerous man to fight. Yes. And yet, you know, Fury was so composed through it. I mean, and we're going to see it all over again. I do think you're right. I do think that the Americans will want it in America, Adam. Yeah. Um, and I do think we'll probably be going to Vegas in May. I think that, well, for those that don't know how the Vegas fight scene works, um, the the casino cartel, let's just say, I think will stump up quite a lot of cash. Having watched the first one, they will know full well that uh, the British fans will travel. Uh, the American fans now have, fo- uh, have found a new love for the heavyweight scene. I think they uh, that was the record when it came to uh, Showtime pay-per-view buys from 2003. It was a cra- you know, the, the, it's definitely on the up. They will definitely invest in it, and I I, I would be gobsmacked if it's anywhere else other than Vegas. I agree with you. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I no, no, I, I completely agree with you. I was no, waxing lyrical. I apologise, man. No, no. It's, it, it, look, I, I, I think it would suit Tyson Fury to do it at Old Trafford. It yeah. won't suit Deontay Wilder. He's the belt holder. Yeah. Um. You know, the the, the WBC will be happy with Vegas. Um. I, I, I do think we'll be going there. But fingers crossed. I do hope Frank Warren can get the negotiation uh, and and bring it to the UK because it will make a difference. The support for Fury will be extraordinary. Mm. And, you know, we'll have, what is it? What's Old Trafford? 70,000, 80,000? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be a massive, massive fight. It will be huge. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, do stick with us. You listen to Fight Night on TalkSport. There's lots still to come. Of course, we're going to be previewing uh, the fight next week between Rocky Fielding and uh, Canelo Alvarez, which is taking place in New York City. There's fights going on in New York tonight. Obviously, there's a ev- lot of stuff going on in Sheffield this evening. We'll get updates on that. We'll also be talking about the possibilities of Amir Khan versus Kel Brook. Is it on? Is it off? Terence Crawford's now in the mix. We'll talk about it next. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me, uh, going through all the big news 
in the world of boxing and MMA between now and midnight. Make sure you stick around for that. The first hour of the show dedicated to last week's Wilder versus Fury draw and the possibilities of getting it on again. We spoke to Frank Warren and, of course, Ben Davison, who's out in Orlando at this moment in time, enjoying some well-deserved time off. Well, I said time off where Gareth blagged him to come back on the show, and he did. Um, so <laughs> that's, how this show, that's how this show operates. Uh, so if you missed any part of that, it will be available on a podcast for you uh, via the TalkSport website and via iTunes. Uh, now, currently going on in Sheffield at this moment in time, um, we're awaiting Kel Brook to make his ring walk against Safara. We'll be talking about that and the possibilities of him maybe getting in the ring with Amir Khan. Will they, won't they? That will be coming up in a moment or two. Uh, and we'll also be looking ahead to a fantastic card in New York City tonight, which features Vasyl Lomachenko. And speaking of New York, Gareth, yeah. I want to talk about the fight next week mm-hmm. at the Garden, uh, which uh, sees our very own Rocky Fielding, who is the WBA super middleweight regular champion, uh, taking on one of the pound-for-pound greats in a very in a surprise fight. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't see this one coming when we were talking about potential opponents for uh, Rocky's uh, first defence of this uh, belt. Canelo would not have been on there because he operates at 160 pounds, but he's decided I'm stepping up to 168 to see if I can become uh, a, a world champion at yet another weight. Oh, listen, it, I think it was a bigger shock to Rocky Fielding than it was to all of us, <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, as, he, as he's admitted, uh, when Jamie Moore called him up and said, uh, right, fancy Canelo, he, he, he wondered if he was dreaming or, or Moore was, uh, Jamie was up, winding yeah. him up. Um, <laughs> you know, I know, you, I know you've sat with the guys recently mm. as well. And um, the, the thing is this, um, you know, when, you, when we've seen the two men stand off at the, um, in New York, yeah. Rocky is about I think Canelo's 59 and Rocky's what 63 yeah so so he's he, you know he's half a foot taller mm-hmm. he's got a 4 5 inch reach advantage mm-hmm. um it's a real it's it's a bit of an ask for Canelo in some ways we we know he's very compact he's very powerful he's almost certainly going to attack Rocky's body by around 3 or 4 mm-hmm. um and he's going to let his hands go but bigger shocks have happened in boxing than this. And I think, as Rocky has said this week, he gave a press conference this week, conference call to to the media. He's going out there as if this is what he's dreamt of since he was four years old. And and this is what he's going to do. He's going to lay it all on the line. And you just don't know. He could spring one of the greatest upsets of all time. And he'll have a rematch. And he'll, and he'll make life life-changing money for his family probably is already it's an opportunity he would never have said no to um and you know it's it's one that it's a curious fight Mm. um you know i do think canelo is uh doing the dazone thing it's part of launching him on dazone um but you know it's just one of those things it it, you'd never have thought it but I quite fancy seeing it now. It's simple as that. Oh, it's a fascinating matchup because, as you as you just said, Rocky has the size. You would think that Rocky has the power because he can punch, but the boxing ability, no question, is with the Mexican. We've seen him in some fantastic fights uh, over the last two to three years, especially the ones with uh, with Triple G, and he's daring to be great to step up and uh, mm. and do the business. If Rocky, just on paper, right? Forget the forget the logistics of uh, his height and the power and what Canelo's actually stepping up uh, to attempt. Just on paper, if Rocky Fielding pulls this off and beats what many would class as a guy that's in the pound-for-pound top five at this moment in time, would it be one of the greatest British victories abroad of all time? It it would rank with Lloyd Hunnigan going over to Atlantic City and beating Donald Curry in whatever it was, 85, 86, um, where where Curry was considered 
you know, on his way, I think he was 25-0 and 0 or 20-0 and 0 at the time, he was on his way to being, if not the pound-for-pound pound best, he was certainly talked about at the time as that, you know, and, and, and Lloyd, Lloyd, you know, he mugged him, that's how we put it generally, mugged him over there in Atlantic City. And I think, um, I think it'll be a similar thing with Rocky. I think what he's got to overcome against Canelo, I think Canelo's got volume and hand speed over yes, him. Yes. But what I think, if Rocky can time him, um, and let those, you know, he's got very big levers. We know he's got power. Um, he's just got to go out there and believe in himself and, and not try and box this guy, no. but, but fight him. Um, you know, be smart about it. Yeah, it would. It would rank us very, very highly with, you know, the great upsets. I mean, maybe even with Tyson Fury against Vladimir Klitschko. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Cl- uh, you know, Billy Joe Saunders. Well, no, that's against Lemur. He, the, the style was what was right for him, and that's what enabled him to do that. But it, it will rank up there with, with some of the very highest successes ever, if not we one of the highest, Adam. One, one of the things on Rocky's side at this moment in time, I'm, we, we've spoken to Jamie Moore on this show on many occasions, and I speak so highly of him because of the way that not only does he physically prepare his fighters for, for battle, the way that he mentally prepares his fighters for battle. He, he, he obviously took Rocky to Germany to take on Tyrone Zuiger. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not even, I don't even want to co- get into the conversation of comparing Zuiger to Canelo because they are poles apart when it comes to ability. Of course, this is a much str- uh, tougher, monumental task for Rocky going over to Madison Square Garden and taking on Canelo. But the mindset side of this game, I don't think at this moment in time there's anybody better than Jamie Moore with the way that he's got his fighters absolutely on point. Yeah, no, he's he's had a brilliant year, and I think he's um, I think he was uh, the boxing boards uh, trainer of the year, wasn't he? When they had their awards dinner recently, he's, yeah. he's very celebrated. Um, he's a he's a, he's always been a terrific fighter, and he proved a, a terrific analyst. Um, when he was working on television, still yeah. does. Uh, in fact, I've done a show with him here on Talk Sport years ago, and he's a terrific man to talk boxing with. He's, you know, he's lived and breathed it, the nuts and bolts of it for years, and then then that extraordinary story of being shot in Spain, of course, uh, yes. a mistaken identity, and the things he's come back from, and he's proven to be a fantastic coach in the last few years. You know, the the, the way that. People like Rocky and uh, Carl Frampton talk of him. Um, they, they 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 just respect him as a, as an elder brother figure. I don't think he's quite a father figure, but he's a, he's kind of an elder brother figure to them. A guy who's been there, done it, seen it all, and is a very very. He's a very authentic, very hard man. I, I've always seen Jamie as a very hard man who kind of understands the wherewithal that people need to box, but but also with a tremendous empathy for everyone else and mm. and seemingly not a bad word to say about anyone as well adam and that's a mm. wonderful quality to have in boxing mm. you know where you don't hear jamie slagging people off do you and no, i not at all i think it's wonderful um one thing that i will say i mean we were, we were both there when rocky fielding took on uh callum smith and it seemed that night that the occasion maybe got to rocky he was he was a little bit dazzled by the by the occasion and therefore was taken full advantage of in the first round and callum smith put him away quite comfortably in the end I don't think that that will happen this time. I think he's a totally different human being under Jamie Moore. Listen, the, the kid might get beat, he might get outboxed, he might get beaten by one of the pound-for-pound pound best at this moment in time, but I don't think the occasion will get to him this time round. No, I mean, and if you look at, you know, you look at Rocky, you know, what was that, three and a half years ago, three yeah. years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he's come on tremendously since then, you know, I mean, 
you know, it's a six-fight winning streak. I always thought he'd beat Tyron Zuger, by the way, Zuger in, in Germany, by the way, um, out there in, in, in Baden, the Baden Arena in Offenburg. Um, you know, it's not often you'd say it's Offenburg, you've been to a fight. I mean, never heard <laughs> of the place. But the, 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 the thing is this, when, when, you, when you... I think the biggest thing he's up against in Canelo is a guy that has utter belief and has literally tens of millions of fans be behind him mm. it will be a very one-sided crowd they will be there to see fielding get roasted by their red-haired champion they will be cinnamon roasted basically is what they'll be looking for in uh, in madison square garden he really is a massive star for all the iniquities that have uh, have, have come his way in the last year including the 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 the, the draw which never was a draw against um Golovkin and the brilliant second fight, and which he probably sneaked, even though I had Golovkin winning it. He and, and obviously the, the positive drugs test in between. Whatever you say about Canelo, he is adored by the Mexican audience, and he is a genuine box office star. As you know, testament to that is the three hundred and sixty-five million U.S. dollars yeah. that DAZN have paid him and his promoter Oscar De La Hoya Adam for this. Uh, what is it? Ten-fight deal, isn't mm. it? So, you know, he's got to deliver. Um, Rocky needs to go out there, you know, be blinkered, enjoy the occasion, soak it all up, and know that this is his opportunity if he wins to be projected for a little time at least into the top three pound for pound in the world if Absolutely. he wins. Absolutely. And just enjoy it, you know? If um, um if Canelo pulls this off, by the way, um, do you imagine him staying at 168 or will he go back down to 160? I think there's every reason to suspect that he could fight... Um, you know, there's talks at the moment with Gennady Golovkin and DAZN, we're hearing, aren't we? You know, mm. um, that's going on behind the scenes that he could be coming to DAZN. Um... He's going to have a trilogy fight with Golovkin, I think, and I'll be—I think he'll beat him convincingly the third time. Um, they may want to do it at super middleweight to ease, perhaps ease um, the pressure on Golovkin slightly. Um, you know, a lot of fighters who go from just for the, those listening who don't know the difference between middleweight and super middleweight, it's eight pounds. It's mm. going from 160 pounds to 168 pounds, which is 12 stone. It's still, you know, a very lightweight. The weight that people like Carl Froch, Joe. Zaggy Bernard Hopkins mm. operated at for many years um, and you know I suspect that he he can go up and down those two weights very easily I mean I think he's a he's a very hench very thick set character but you know I don't think there are really major challenges for him in the in the super middleweight division although Eddie Hearn with his relationship with DAZN Adam might well be wanting to tempt um, a fight with, say, Callum Smith. Mm. Uh, he, he's talked about Old Trafford, Callum Smith, um, and Canelo. Um, all the Reds, all Anfield. the Reds, all yeah, the Reds, yeah. the Redheads, the Red Team, the Red Anfield, blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> even the studio's red at the moment. You know, it's just 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 blushing about the prospect of it uh, this summer. But no, I mean the world, the world's Canelo's oyster. He cannot afford to lose this fight. It will be. I'm, I'm really thinking about it now after you've mentioned it to put it in, into perspective. It, it would be one of the greatest upsets that we've ever witnessed in British boxing mm. if he beats Canelo. And you know what? There's just an inkling. There's a chink in the door 
if he just goes for it in this fight because he has got very heavy hands. He does. Um, and Rocky, and um, let's hope Rocky from Stocky, as they call him, don't they? You know, that's right. Um, it, it really would be a Rocky story if he won this. Mm. Uh, do stick with us uh, because uh, I know that Gareth mentioned Eddie's name there. They've got a show on tonight in Sheffield. Uh, Kelbrook is top of that bill. Will Kelbrook ever fight Amir Khan? We'll speak about it next on Talk Sport. Now then, in Sheffield this evening, there is a fight card currently going on. The main event's about to get underway. Uh, Kelbrook in that main event. Um, and the talk, obviously, over the last year, two years, three years, four years for Kelbrook is whether he will or will if he won't uh, be ever seen in the same ring as uh, Amir Khan. Uh, we spoke recently, in fact, when we were in LA last week, we were having a good chat about it, weren't we, Gareth? And we we genuinely felt convinced uh, that at some point in 2019, early 2019, uh, that the time for talking would be over and that these two boys would get it on. But... Um, I'm going to name drop now, so I apologise for this. I did sit next to Terence Crawford uh, during uh, last week's fight and I was having a bit of a chat about his career and he mentioned that there was a possibility of him fighting a British welterweight and since that, uh, the news has come out that he, um, his team, his top-ranked team, have offered Amir Khan $5 million to get in the ring with him. If you're Amir Khan, Gareth, the possibility of fighting for a world title against one of the pound-for-pound greats at Madison Square Garden for $5 million, you take it, don't you? Yeah, there's two things that have always drawn Amir Khan, Adam, and that's that's um, fights in America and pound-for-pound fighters, and Crawford fulfills both of those things. Um, it's a massive, massive fight for him. V- bigger than the Kelbrook fight, frankly, um, even though... You know, I'm of the mind that he really does need to fight Kelbrook mm. to finish, to round the career. Would this, you say, would you say there's more money in the Kelbrook fight, but the actual legacy fight, the big, the big fight, is the Terence Crawford fight? Yeah, I, 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 Amir's always chasing that legacy fight. He wanted Floyd Mayweather. He wanted the Manny Pacquiao fight mm. recently. But he's always been within touching distance. We talked about uh, Saul Canelo Alvarez just now. You know, he wanted that fight. It was a step too far. It was up two weight divisions against a very heavy puncher. And look what happened to him. And I think, you know, in some ways it might have been catastrophic for his career. And and I like to be honest about Amir, you know, because, again, he's someone I've been around since he was 16. And, you know, it's a long, long time he's been around, 15 years in boxing since he turned pro, 14, 15 years. And, you know, that it was a yes, it was a quick knockout with Canelo, but it was... It was awful, awful. He was butchered by that right hand like a cannonball. Mm. And I and I think, you know, the problem with Amir, as we saw in his last fight, you know, he, he's looked good this year. He's come back. He's looked good. He's 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 hungry. He looks physically good. Uh, you know, him and Kelbrook are coming to the end of their careers, and we'd like to see them. But Terence Crawford is one of the very best in the world. Mm. And if Amir Khan believes he can do it, he's going to go and do it, Adam. Mm. And it wouldn't surprise me. And Eddie Hearn has also said in the last couple of days, if Kelbrook and Amir doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. And mm. I fear we may never see this fight, rather like uh, Ricky Hatton and Junior Witter never yeah. fought. And they were both world champions at welterweight. Mm. That narrative is starting to uh, look very, very familiar. Um, because... There's egos there as well, Adam. Yes, you know, there I is. Think, you know, it's, it's, who's the A-side? They're both arguing over who's the A-side. And weight and, and, and various weight. things like that. But Kel seems to have agreed to all the... Yes, he does. All the prerequisites and and yet Amir's still tempted away by other things. It's so, a shame, you know. really, because listen, we're not going to blow um, smoke up the backsides of our audience here. Kel, um, Amir Khan, if he goes and fights Terence Crawford, he's up against it 
Terence Crawford is legit. He's right up there. He's probably in the top three pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. I personally don't think he wins that fight. I think Terence Crawford does. Then what you think uh, of Kel Brook, where he goes next, the, the likelihood is that he might fight someone like a Jarrett Hurd at 154 pounds. And I don't really give Kel too much hope fighting Jarrett Hurd either, you know, which is a shame because these two guys going into a fight Kelbrook, Amir Khan, you'd think that that's a 50-50 knock and it's a proper fight. The British fight fans would go crazy for it and they'd make an awful amount of money. Yeah, there's no world title on the line, but sometimes you don't need it. It's just a great fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I think, <laughs> this is a really weird thing to say, people can dislike each other so much they never end up fighting. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but... Yeah, they don't know, want to do business with each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Ricky Hatton didn't really want to do... Junior Witter the favour of giving him a big, I would say a payday because he, he deserved a fight with, with Ricky Hatton. But they just didn't, yeah. they didn't like each other. And and Khan and I, I've sat there, I've been sitting there in in the Winker Bank gym with Kel, where his eyes have grown dark talking about Amir Khan, really really dark. Mm. Like you know, if it's like the last thing I do in my life, I want to have a fight with Amir Khan because I want to fight him and I want to beat him. Kel's on his way to the ring at the moment, Adam yes. as well. By the way, I've got. Uh, as we, we've got, what is it, eight screens in here looking at it at the moment. <laughs> Kel in looking, looking, to be honest, in fantastic shape. He does. He looks, he looks in great shape. He really does. And, uh, you know, this guy, um, Zarafa from Australia, you know, has, has lost to two top-level elite fighters before. And I, and I expect Kel to to be formidable tonight and, and kind of... I think he needs to, doesn't he? I think yeah, he needs I a think statement. He does. I think he does, you know. Listen, we're not... The, the, the Amir khan Terence Crawford fight is not signed yet. No. Um, but like you say, he's talking about it. Bob Arum's keen on it. Um, Crawford is already, you know, uh, a three-weight world champion mm. and, and on his way, potentially, to be one of the greats of this era. Mm. Um, you know, a kind of, you know, a, a terrific box fighter. And, and I, I, I think... Amir is up against it, against Terence Crawford, and I don't give him much chance of winning that fight, unfortunately. That's the problem with that contest. Mm. Uh, we'll continue talking about these two because, as uh, Gareth just pointed out there, Kel Brook is making his way to the ring in Sheffield uh, to take on Zarafa. That's the main event over there. Uh, but there have been some fights a little earlier on on this card. There was an absolute cracker in the uh, what we would class as core main event, which involved John O'Carroll. It finished in a draw. John O caught up with our very own Don McGuinness post-fight. Really tough fight, that. Yeah. A draw. Give us your reaction to that. I mean, it's disappointing for both men, isn't it? Yeah, very disappointing. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to see a draw. And no way I wants to walk my ass out of in 10 weeks or something to come out with a draw. You know what I mean? It's not good for any camp to come home with a draw. But at the end of the day, we both come out with our health, and that's all that matters. We go home to our family. We're blessed just to put on a show with the fans. Like, it was a very enjoyable fight. Anyone that watched him that got entertained, you know what I mean? And that's what boxing's all about, is entertaining the, the fans. So I believe we both done that tonight. Did you think you nicked it? I think I nicked it a little bit because the thing is, I feel he caught me with the cleaner, bigger shots, but I was the busier shots, you know what I mean? Um, I felt I got the earlier stage of the fight and then I came back like 8, 9, uh, 11 and 12, you know what I mean? So um, I did feel like I nicked it probably by one round, one or two rounds. But the thing is as well, he had a French George. We didn't have no words, George or anything, you know what I mean? So even that is a little bit mad. You can complain about that, but you know what? I'm not going to make any excuses because it was a very good fight. Just why has he got a French George and I haven't got an Irish George? You know that kind of way? So obviously the French George gave it to him. But it is what it is. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I believe we both 
go home with a help and that's all I'm asked. Now it's a big chance, obviously, an eliminator for the, the farmer belt, if you like, that, that title shot. What happens now? Um, I don't know, we've got to go back to the drawing board, see what happens, whether we both end up fighting Devon Farmer, whether I go first or, or we have an immediate rematch. I don't mind because I feel like I'll beat him handy in a rematch. I know what I need to do. I felt like the game plan was a little off. I didn't think the game plan would suit with him. We saw a few little uh, things was going to work that didn't work. And then we had to go to two and three, game plan two and three, you know? Well, listen, you can have a good Christmas now and you've still got the best beard in boxing. That's not That's all anywhere. that matters, my friend. That's all that matters. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you. He has got some serious whiskers, does John O'Carroll. Make sure you check him out. Um, a draw tonight with Guillaume Frenois, which was a, an eliminator for Tevin Farmer. It's a bit of a shame that, obviously, as, as John was saying there, uh, Gareth, that he spent... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ten weeks in camp, working towards this eliminator. The showdown with Tevin Farmer, who's a fantastic fighter. And it ends up in a draw. From what I saw, and obviously it's been quite difficult doing the show watching that, um, because it did look like a, a real ding-dong at, at certain points in the fight, I actually thought it was quite fortuitous because, as, as Carol kind of pointed out quite honestly there, Frenois did line the cleaner, bigger shots, and I just thought that the uh, the Frenchman ed- edged it. Well, like you, I've been peeping at it as well. And, and you know, it, look, he's still unbeaten. He marches on. You know, we, we heard his passion there. His, his brilliant Dublin accent or Dunshaolin accent that's it you know he, he's um, he, he's got great talent and you know he, he's been a pro now you know for uh, two years he's he's moved along smartly what is he 16 and 0 with one mm. with you know he's not a knockout merchant that's what I fear for him uh, at the top level he, he's not a big puncher he's a fine boxer but it, it's just you know he, I think he needs to work on strength as well you know because I'd like to see him getting a bit more power into his shots mm. um you know three knockouts in that record there's nothing wrong with being a boxer but when you get to that level look how impressive Tevin Farmer looked recently you know he's a very very impressive guy and uh, to step up to that level is indeed a big leap Mm. Uh, do stick with us uh, because uh, coming up in the next half an hour of the show we're going to be doing our very unique Hall of Fame 
Uh, that's coming up in around about 15 minutes. We're going to be hearing from Dave Allen, who's currently in Sheffield. Uh, Don McGuinness has caught up with him. We're also going to be hearing uh, from Anthony Fowler. And if the Kelbrook fight goes very, very quickly, uh, we'll hopefully be hearing from Kelbrook at some point in the next half an hour as well. I anticipate it to go quite quickly. The fight's just about to get underway in Sheffield. You're listening to Fight Night on TalkSport. Uh, you listen to Fight Night on TalkSport with me, Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis. Kel Brook currently in the ring in Sheffield, dressed as Father Christmas. He's got some right get-up there, hasn't he? He has got some proper shorts on there, Gareth, hasn't he? He has. He does. I've just, I tell you what, I've just noticed, um, of course, Dominic Engel, not in his corner. He does look like Santa. Mm. He, he looks like the Sheffield Santa, doesn't he? Um, Dominic Engel, of course, not in his corner tonight for the mm. first time in many, many years. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not, they haven't fallen out, just taking a break. But um, uh, I see Kel already, you know, looking like he's got Zarafa in, 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 in discomfort. Um, he's looking for the big shot, isn't yeah, he? That's what he's doing. Well, at this just, he just had a downward chopping right hand just mm. hurt Zarafa. I think they're coming out for the third now, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Um, do stick with us. We'll keep you up to date with that. And we'll, Second, uh, brother. We'll, we'll cross over to uh, to Sheffield uh, shortly as well to speak to Don McGuinness. Hopefully we'll try and get Kel Brook before the end of the show. Uh, should he come through that fight, of course. Um, but I think it's only fair that we hear from somebody else who's been fighting in Sheffield tonight. A young man that we've been speaking about uh, quite a lot on the show uh, in Anthony Fowler. He got his opponent out there in one round. Now, for me, it's time that he starts stepping up through the gears uh, for level of opponent. Let's uh, have a hear to what he had to say about his performance tonight. Well, Anthony, well done. But I spoke to you at the press conference on Thursday and you were really excited about doing rounds and showing your skills. You take him out within a round. Uh, so as happy as you've got to be with that. I'm looking at you now. You look a little bit disappointed. Yeah, me that. I won rounds. I can't, can't emphasise enough. He's had 30 fights, been stopped twice. Big world champions and one other kid. Me that won rounds. I'm getting the best kids I can possibly get. But I'm just so proud of the weight. I don't want to blow me on something, mate, but... I spar light heavyweights, light heavy with 13 stone, and they all say, can't be how hard you this. I hit hard me, it's not no lies. Nine fights, eight knockouts. The one fight I didn't stop. I, I, I snapped tens in my hand, if you know, I was over five months. So one time we haven't stopped the kid, we haven't done my hand in. Apart from that, I've knocked them all out, mate. Nice body shot as well. Oh, it was lovely aim. Um, yes, he caught me with a good one as well, but I disguised it and I caught him. Random money shot. Now, Eddie has just said, Fitzgerald, early March. Yeah. How excited are you by that? Oh, amazing. I can't wait. You know what? I've actually booked a holiday for New Year. I said I can't sit down with my beer, but or, or trading all the way at sea, but I can't wait to name. I'm going to take Scott's house as well. I am like, it's a fact. Scott's getting it, then Cheeseman's getting it. Because no, Ted Cheeseman will fight in February and it's going to be a winner situation, yeah. apparently. So Cheeseman against whoever, you against Fitzgerald. Cheeseman against me. Trust that's me, gonna, That's going to be the outcome. I'm coming from both mates tonight. I like Scott, I generally do, but Scott knows me. Scott knows that he doesn't stand a chance for me. He does not stand a chance. It's coaching big him up all he wants, but deep down, Scott knows, mate. I'm a machine, he's going to know it. You're not so fond of Ted, though? Nah, he's too cheeky, mate. He's only a little kid. Watch what happens to him. Well, well done tonight. Great, great result. Thank well you. done. Anthony Fowler speaking to Don McGuinness uh, after his performance tonight. A first-round knockout, uh, successfully coming through his fight in Sheffield. And do you know something? I say this all the time, Gareth, and I don't know where you stand on this. 
He's uh, obviously an elite amateur. He's won everything in the amateur game. He stepped up to the pro, pro game. He's still learning because he's just teamed up with Dave Colwell. You can see him learning as he's going along, but he definitely does need a, a, a task now, a proper challenge. He appreciates that. And for him to start saying people's names that are in and around his level, especially in Britain, I find that really refreshing from a young fighter. That's what you've got to do. Make some noise to get those fights. Yeah, I mean, we saw it a few weeks ago at the Copper Box where Ted Cheeseman had a fantastic victory and... Um, you know, Anthony was there, you know, pushing hard for that fight then even, you know, um, kind of trying to get in his face. He was on the ring apron virtually. Um, and that was a very, very frustrated scouser we were listening to just there, by the mm. way. There was no energy at all in his voice. And I watched the fight sneakily, Adam, yeah. while you were talking. And and he, he looked wild in that fight. And he just yes, he wanted did. to land a big right hand or a big left hand. And he, he didn't look interested. And he just... He 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 knew that the opponent was not going to allow him to to showcase his skills, and it's a very difficult one with Anthony because, you know, as we've seen with people like Luke Campbell in the past, you've got to be, you know, who's an Olympic gold medalist, you've got to be a little bit careful about how quickly you progress them. But I think the time is right now. Twenty nineteen is going to be a very significant for year for the um, for the cousin of uh, Robbie Fowler, the footballer. Yeah. Um, he's very ambitious. You know, you speak to him a lot. I speak to him a lot, Anthony. I think he's got the ability to go on and be a world champion, but we really need to start seeing that tested now. Um, you know, and um, yeah, I, I think think I've never heard Anthony here uh, sound so frustrated as he was when he was talking to Dominic just then, you know. Mm. And the two lads that he is mentioning there, you've mentioned Ted Cheeseman's name, but Scott Fitzgerald's yep. a fight that has been mentioned quite a lot. We've seen him on, on numerous occasions when we've been doing fight night live up and down the country. And that's the fight for me. I think that's a real good matchup. The styles will gel quite nicely. Both guys will meet them each other in the middle of the ring. And I think the British fight fans will be in for a treat. Yeah, I think once, once Fowler gets to British, Commonwealth, European level and um, you know, gets those kind of titles under his belt. I don't think it'll take too long for him to go up in class. What he needs is a couple of real 10, 12 round sharpeners after that. Um, and we will see, because he's so confident. You talk to him and you talk to people around him. Coldwell, Dave Coldwell's no mug, as we know. And he, he talks very highly of Anthony. Um, and he just needs to find out how far he's going to go at the mm. top level. It's not too many fights away now. Out of all the Olympians... He seems, his style seems the most suited for the professional games. And what I mean by that is that he, I'm surprised, and this is going to sound quite harsh, mm -hmm. I'm surprised that he is, so, he is so decorated at amateur level with his style because it's such not an amateur style, is it? He is a very come forward, I'm in your face, I'm a pressure type fighter. Whereas a lot of the other guys, you just mentioned Luke there, the, the likes of Boatsy, the likes of the other guys, they're a little bit more upright. There's a lot of, there's a lot of work behind the jab. They're a little bit more cuter. There's a little bit more finesse to the work, I think, is the word I'm looking for, whereas Anthony, I think he likes a bit of a scrap. No, he does, and you know, he, he's a he's a very robust um, fighter, light middleweight. He could easily go to middleweight, couldn't he? I mm. mean, he's a he's a big man. Um, he goes to the body. He used to go to the body as an amateur as well. Yeah. He's a body puncher. He's got fantastic hooks on him. As I say, it's the physicality of him that stood out as as an amateur. You know, he's he's a He's a guy with very sharp angles to his body, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, sharp chin, sharp nose. He's got. He's very pointed physically, um, and it's always spoken to me of someone that is going to be in real wars when we see him fight um, mm. at the very top level. I can't wait, and and you know, again. 
it, it's about patience. All sport is about timing. And, and I, I think he's one of those guys that Eddie Hearn hasn't wanted to rush. I mean, maybe we saw that with Lewis Ritson recently at lightweight. That, yeah, maybe. You know, that we haven't seen Anthony in a fight where he's really got to be defensive yet, where he's up against someone who's equally physical. Mm. Um, the same as, as Frank Warren's Anthony Yard, for mm. example. You mm. know, you want to see these guys get their boxing skills and their and their robustness really tested over over many rounds rather than bounce to world level mm. uh, too quickly and we were going to see that tonight with Josh Kelly, just to bring that up, because yes. Josh, he, he sadly fell off. He was on the scales yesterday. He weighed in quite successfully, but I'm led to believe he had a bug. It worsened overnight, and therefore his fight fell off. And he was stepping up against David Avencian. That was a real test for the Olympian, it wasn't was. it? It was. It really was. And he knew he was having that fight a few weeks ago when we spoke to him. You know, he had a kind of t- uh, a warm-up fight. I can't remember where we were now. Was that on the Bellew Yusek undercard, maybe? Yes, it might have been, actually, yeah. yeah. And on that night. And, and, and you know, the, the, the thing is... Um, I think, you know, people often say, oh, why they pulled out the opponent uh, and, and his and his trainer were saying yesterday, because I think they pulled out just after the weigh-in, didn't they? Mm. That, that No, he ran, he was in fear of us. But do you know what? I had a bug so bad last week that it took me three hours to pack a suitcase in my room. And if the, <laughs> yeah, I know, you but, did, didn't I'm, you? you no, did. I did. And, you know, I was just thinking that because we were in fight week, I was thinking... These are the kind of feelings, if you woke up on the morning of a fight yeah. and your back is so stiff, which mine was, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm not a fighter, obviously, but I, I'm not joking, I was in so much pain um, and painkillers were doing nothing. If you woke up that ill as a boxer, you could not go in and win a fight. You, 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 I mean, I suppose the adrenaline coursing through you, but you, you would go and get checked out medically in that instance because you would not mm. be right. And, and I tell you, I, I know Josh Kelly well enough, as you do, to know that he isn't backing out of a fight with anyone. He loves fighting. And, and he, he talked to us, you know, uh, uh, in the Bellew Yusick build-up about how keen he was to get back out in, in December. He wasn't well. And, and if he wasn't well, Adam Booth wouldn't have let him in there if he wasn't, you know, at least fit to fight. Mm, absolutely. Um, we are going to be going through uh, the Hall of Fame next. There's quite a lot that we could stick in there, but... Um, your suggestion um, of what we're going to stick in there, Gareth, is absolutely profound. Seeing as that uh, tonight is their final it night. It is, it is. Uh, we will get to that uh, next here on TalkSport. You're listening to Fight Night. on Fight Night, we do get stuck into our very own Hall of Fame. It's unique. Sometimes fighters go in there, sometimes trainers go in there, sometimes groups of fans go in there. Uh, and tonight, we are uh, we are really going left field for you uh, when it comes to our uh, Hall of Fame pick. Um, in the office, we were having a little bit of a discussion of whether we should be going with Bob Arum, because it's his birthday today. 87 years young, Gareth. 
I know. I, 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 do you know what? I, I took the liberty of tweeting just now to wish him a happy birthday. And if you go on his Twitter, there's balloons yeah. going up oh. on his Twitter feed. At there the you moment. go. Um, it's an extraordinary career. I mean, you're right to mention him for the Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, the, the thing is this, Adam, you know, since uh, Ali in the mid 60s, we are, we're talking near, approaching six decades in the sports. And this, of course, finding his way into boxing after being a young lawyer, Harvard graduated lawyer, working in the Kennedy administration against match fixing in boxing or corruption <laughs> in boxing rather at the time so you know <laughs> and still going strong he's got a card on tonight he's got Lomachenko and Isaac Dogby and all those guys at Madison Square Garden a tonight ter- a terrific card and he always manages at the age of 87 to crawl up through the ropes and get in the ring after he does so a wonderful call. birthday celebration yeah, for him is, later it on is, it is, uh, it's also the 11 year anniversary of uh, Floyd versus Ricky Hatton probably the uh, craziest um, fight week uh, of all our careers, the absolutely crazy fight week over uh, in Las Vegas for that. But we're not going there because we put Ricky Hatton's fans in the Hall of Fame previously. Uh, we are going with a TV company, aren't we, Gareth? We are indeed. Um, it is the very last event tonight of HBO's uh, boxing coverage. Uh, Cecilia Brakus, yes. the, the brilliant undefeated welterweight, women's welterweight champion, um, headlining on that very last card. In a sense, not going out with the biggest card, but um, 1973 all the way to now they announced in September that it would be their very last card since 1973 Adam HBO have put out over a thousand uh, fights and cards just get this okay uh, th- this is how big um, HBO have been in boxing and this is how Larry Merchant uh, put it, who worked for them. He's doing the broadcast as well tonight. He's appearing on it. Of course, he retired in 2012 and still does, still does a little bit. But he did 1978, 2012. And he's America's, for those listening, he's America's kind of Harry Carpenter, if you like, or Reg mm. Gutteridge. Um, or, you know, or even a modern John Rawling, let's say. Um, or a future Adam Catterall. <laughs> How about that? They have a bit of praise for you. He said, and this is what Larry Merchant said, and he's a brilliant old boy, and he's in his 80s now as well, and he's, he's one of the godfathers of boxing journalism and someone who I always consider a mentor, and he's brilliant to me. Once upon a time, this is talking of HBO, once upon a time we were a promising kid, then a challenger, then a champion, then a great champion, then a has-been who finally retired. Um, now... Just listen to these fights, Adam, that have been on there. Lennox Lewis versus Vitaly Klitschko. Kevin Kelly versus Nazim Hamid. Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson in Tokyo in 1990. Joshua against Klitschko. (laughs) Bo against Holyfield trilogy. Morales against Barrera trilogy. The Ward versus Gatti trilogy. The two fights between Golovkin and Canelo. Hagler versus Hearns in 1985. And I have just picked out a little handful there of literally dozens and dozens of the most amazing, the biggest fights that people still talk about. So this is the death knell for a very big player. Um, and HBO definitely, HBO's boxing coverage mm. definitely belongs in our Hall of Fame, Adam. And not just the boxing coverage, their actual wider programming of 24-7 and the After likes. After dark and all oh, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely outstanding. What does this mean, in your opinion now, for 
boxing coverage and the way that we consume our, our, our fight sports uh, going forward. We know that people now are using tablets, their phones, apps and various things like that. Mainstream broadcasters like HBO are pulling out of the game. We're seeing streaming services like The Zone now over in the States coming on board. Can you see a full shift? Can you see us moving away from what we were classed as traditional media and moving into the streaming world? I, I don't think there's any doubt about it, but how that how that re- river meanders and how it settles as a big lake or a big, you know, kind of a, a giant pond or a large lake, if you like, about where, where and how we consume our, our, our sports coverage overall and certainly our fight coverage is going to depend on, I think, the success of ESPN Plus, who are buying up everything, and DAZN, who have set their, their stall out as the what they call themselves, they want to become the Netflix of sports. And if you go back to what Netflix were in the beginning, we, we kind of touched on this a, a few weeks ago in the show, they used to mail out... Uh, 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 um, CDs to you, didn't they? The movies, yeah. they, they, and it, you know, these kind of businesses were set up in someone's front room at one time. You've seen what Net, what what DAZN are trying to do to be the Netflix of sports. They are buying up all the properties they can. They're only in seven global territories at the moment. They're not in the UK, so that's why we're still consuming our boxing traditionally on 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 pay per view on on Sky and BT box office and ITV box office. Um, and in America, that that model is being broken up, if you like. It's being harassed and bullied by these new over-the-top streaming services. Um, I do think HBO will stay in the market somehow. Um, They're too big an entity not to do it, but I just think they needed the right executives. They need to do a rethink in terms of how they deliver their boxing content. I mean, you know, maybe reality TV shows around the sport, that kind of thing. But they are going to have to, if they are going to come back into it, they're going to have to completely change their model. The days of of people paying um, 70, 80, uh, dollars for uh, a, a kind of a regular, if I can call it, pay per view. I think are coming to an end. Mm. You know, when you've got a Mayweather against a McGregor in a in a in a big event, if you've got a Canelo against a Golovkin, um, you know, um, pe- people aren't going to pay for 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 Can- uh, I'm going to pay eighty dollars for Canelo against Rocky Fielding. You know, they're, they're paying eight ninety nine a month for another. Uh, series of sports so mm. that, that that whole debate about how the it, the big fights i mean when you look at the figures last week for um this is what's extraordinary um you look at the you're figures. talking about american figures now i'm for talking wilder about fury, american figures yeah, yeah, for yeah wilder and fury it was 300 to 400 thousand is yeah. the figures that have been put out mm-hmm. doesn't sound very large for what was an extraordinary fight when they fight again it will probably double the numbers. Mm. But they are paying, seven, I think it was $79, £58 That's in the United States for that. It's an extraordinary amount of money. It's the price of a ticket at Wembley mm. in the nosebleeds. If you, you know, if, you, if you compare it to Anthony, people will always compare it to Anthony Joshua figures. So if you compare that to British Anthony Joshua figures, the money generated is around about an £8 million difference. Even though Anthony Joshua does yeah. between 1 and 1.5 million buys, but he's doing that at £20 a time. Mm. Over in the States, doing it at 300,000 buys at, like you've just said, £60 a time. That's where the differentiation is. Well, I, uh, yeah, well, I, th- I think, Adam, that, that given that we are in the UK, we, 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 we have box office, we have, um, you know, we pay-per-view events for 
maybe two to three events a year are genuine pay-per-view events in my view in fight sports maybe four um if you go outside that we are based much more than america on a subscription model but, but british fans tend to follow you know their sports through subscription mm. and i think you know that's going to be the way forward and i think dazone will try and get into this market uh, at some point but they're going to have to get into the football market as well because they're an all-encompassing package it, it's a very very interesting landscape it's going to take a while for it to play out um you know eddie hearn has got his fingers in both i mean it won't surprise me in the future if things go well with frank warren and his his BT Sports um, liaisons, and also uh, with with Tyson Fury, and he continues his his, his you know his his growth and his, yeah. his comeback in a great way. It wouldn't surprise me to see Frank Warren get involved in a streaming service overseas as well. So mm. it, it's it's a fascinating landscape right now. It's going to take three or four years to play out. Mm-hmm. Um, but From a it, fan's point of view, though, Gareth, I mean, I mean, if it does come to the UK here, I mean, if you think about it now, the way that people consume their fight sports they have a a premium subscription with sky or bt or both and then when the big fights come they pay a pay-per-view of 20 pounds on top so therefore it can get quite pricey over a year period but if you're going to tell me that i only have to pay 10 pounds a month and all my boxing is going to be on one channel that changes the game and that hopefully then brings new eyes to the sport and the sport gets even bigger yeah but also you know if you look i think the biggest pay-per-view fight event this year is logan paul against ksi two gamers was it was it YouTube 21 million watched it or something yeah but and it was on youtube and i think that's that it's that um that gamer audience yeah that that, that, that youth, young demographic that's exactly that, what exactly you're talking, yeah. that, that young demographic i think eventually i think what will happen is it'll dis, it'll become more disparate and i think what will happen eventually is we will all have the capacity on our phones on our tablets on our laptops to be mobile to watch a fight for 5.99 and mm. you just end up watching the co-main in the main event and wherever you are in a restaurant in a bar wherever you are you'll just be able to click a button you pay 5.99 with your credit card already stored in there and you'll be be able to see that fight and that is the way that they will get that young generation to subscribe to these bigger events and all it is is about crossover stars you know aaron chalmers yeah um you know who's come from geordie shaw he's the kind of guy that could generate or someone of that ilk that comes out of a reality series that the, the reality tv that wants to develop as a fighter that's like ksi or logan paul he's slightly different to those but it's that kind of ilk where people mm. are popular culture um champions if you like and people want to see them have a fight and, and 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 people will just buy it on youtube for for pennies if you like for the price of a of, of a large <laughs> coffee at starbucks basically. so there you go into the hall of fame goes uh, the channel hbo who finishes tonight and the new um realm of where that we consume our fight sports uh, will continue over the next year uh, to 18 months and you'll hear all about it here on fight night do stick with us we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on in sheffield that is coming up next on dab digital radio and 1089 and 1053 am fight night with adam catterall and gareth a davis on talk sport uh, good evening welcome to fight night on talk sport if you've only just joined us you've missed frank warren uh, you've missed Ben Davison, Tyson Fury's trainer. You've missed hearing uh, from uh, the likes uh, of Anthony Fowler and John O'Carroll, who has also been in action in Sheffield this evening. You'll be able to hear all this on our podcast, uh, available at the end of the show on our website, talksport.com. 
and also via iTunes too. Kel Brook is currently in the ring at this moment in time, taking on Michael Zafira. They're in the ninth round, and I don't know about you, Gareth, but what is Kel Brook doing? It is like, I know he's dressed as Santa, but he's dishing out the presents tonight, isn't he? He's, he's allowing Zafira, Zafira to whack him on the chin. I know it's the season of goodwill, but he's taking the mick. Yeah, it's, 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 I tell you what, this is this is a very under-motivated Kel Brook we're watching tonight, Adam. Um, John Fuchs, who's in his corner tonight, not um, Dominic Ingle, we've seen a few times on the monitors in the audience um, in Sheffield. Um, it's clear to see that Kel Brook... Um, is not up for this challenge against Michael Zafira. He, look, he's two levels above the guy. Mm. But in the, we, we just had the ninth round, and Zafira made it very uncomfortable for him in the in the middle minute of that round. I mean, Zafira's nose is, looks like it's kind of bloodied and maybe possibly broken. Yeah. Um, Brook landed a very good shot on his nose in in the, in that in that last round, but. Zafira is, I mean, what John Fuchs has been saying, be tight and go to his body, and he's never really done it in the fight. He's used his jab very well. His left hook has been good in this fight. Mm-hmm. But I, this this reminds me of when Kelbrook fought Carson Jones six years yes. ago. He, di- I mean, he, he, Look, he wasn't as fit as he is now, but he just didn't look up for it. And, you know, all the talk of Amir Khan all week. and what He's we distracted. About, uh, there's no question. There's no question he's distracted. He just doesn't look like he's enjoying it. And, mm. and he's he's not keyed up, in a sense. And he, he's almost too relaxed. And they're trying to G him up in the corner. They're in the 10th now. I mean, he's, he's probably three or four, maybe even five rounds ahead. But, you know, we don't want to see the end of Kel Brook here. We want to see the sharp, hungry, agile, mm. kind of, you know, accurate, efficient Kel Brook. He should have got this guy out of there already. Yeah, he should have done. Um, we will be speaking about Vasil Lomachenko and uh, Isaac Dogby, who are in action at Madison Square Garden a little later on. Uh, it's a fantastic night of boxing at Madison Square Garden, as is next week at Madison Square Garden, where Rocky Fielding takes on Canelo. We spoke about that uh, a little earlier on. Um, now, in the in the midst of everything that we experienced last week in Los Angeles, um, we were quite quickly brought back down to earth with the news of Adonis Stevenson yes. uh, and his fight uh, last week where Gavogdik became the new light heavyweight WBC champion. Uh, he stopped Adonis Stevenson, I think it was in the 10th or 11th round, uh, but the consequences and the aftermath uh, are the main talking points uh, from that fight. Uh, heartbreaking news because, as I said, we were out in LA, we've just witnessed a fantastic fight between uh, Wilder and Fury. We were on... Uh, a real high off that, and then the moment that we came out the arena and was starting to check our social media, the, the 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 things that had happened to Adonis in the aftermath of their fight, which actually happened before the main event in LA, uh, became all too apparent. And a reminder, a stark reminder, Gareth, that this mm. is not a game. No, I mean it was, it was around. Um, I reckon probably around 6 p.m. in the media room where it was on, on all the monitors we yeah. you know we they, they they look after us very well in America and you know everyone has a feed and a dinner there and, and people are working as well as having food and there's about five or six monitors in the media room uh, there at the Staples Center and you know Adonis Stevenson at the time against Kovojdik was was pro- I think he was up on two of the cards and yeah. one was drawn it was a great fight it, it was, was a, a terrific fight. fight it was a grueling Great fight, and Adonis was doing his his, his thing. You know, um, he's a terrific fighter, very fluent. And suddenly, you saw his head talked across his body, and he collapsed literally in in a heap 
um, in, in a horrible, uncomfortable heap. Yeah. Um, as we, as you say, as we've learnt later, he was taken to hospital. He was operated on. He was in critical condition. It, he was making the ninth defence in that fight of his of his um, world title, the the, the WBC uh, uh, title, um, light heavyweight title. And you know, we've learnt this week that he's gone from being an induced coma yeah. to 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 being life threatening, to being critical, to being stable, and that he probably will come out of this and survive. But you know, I mean, I spent a lot of time around Michael Watson, Adam, you know, in his recovery. I, did, I walked the London Marathon with him in 2003. Mm. I did all his recovery work with him. I was his ghostwriter for me, for many columns that he that he did in the Telegraph. And um, it takes people a very long to re- time to recover from these kind of injuries. So they have to yeah. really show the fighting spirit inside themselves. And it is a very, very, it's a, like you say, it's a stark reminder mm. that it's a very, very dangerous sport. The, the- there were moments actually last week being around all those legends that we were fortunate to be around uh, that have provided us with so much joy down the years. The likes of Riddick Bowe, uh, Evander Holyfield, Buster Douglas, all those types of guys that were there last week in the build-up to the Wilder Fury fight and being in their presence and speaking to him for a moment. You only have to speak to him for four to five minutes to realise that these guys... They went through some serious, serious pain in order to provide us with so much pleasure. And the aftermath of that mm. is obviously what they're living with at this moment in time. I mean, Riddick is obviously not the same big daddy that we, we remember from the 1990s. And even in our conversation with Evander, there's moments where he has to just restock and rethink and just collaborate where he is up to in a sentence. And just the, the slurring sometimes of words and you think, I mean, like, this is this is real. These guys have, have gone through it. They're, they're, they're wearing the T-shirt and now they're they're in the brunt of this cruel sport that in their aftermath in their retirement well there's no there's no it's a very unforgiving sport and um you know it's hit and not be hit for a reason um and you know you can you know some people are very lucky jerry cooney who we spoke to is a very yes, good friend of mine absolutely you know folk fort, fort holmes and some of the greats of course norton and jerry you know in his 60s is still a bull of a man with with his amazing faculties intact and a very good left hook to the ribs that he always gives me <laughs> whenever I see him I, I protect myself for a while and when I'm not looking he comes and gives it and 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 he he he's probably along with Lennox yes. the, the most kind of clear spoken of Absolutely. those men we around I mean I I was lucky enough Adam I know I so we had Evander on the show and you know we talked about his mama and all kinds of things with him he was brilliant um and and we had Jerry on but I went for dinner on Friday night with a showtime dinner and I spoke for a while with Buster Douglas and with um with uh, Riddick Bow that night and I'm yeah. trying in fact I just want to put this out there Riddick would love to come and do a series of uh, of dinner talks um in the UK in 2019 um he and he and Lennox even had a bit of a a set to not fisties but handbags more really are on the stage at, well, at, had, the, at the, the way in that's off the back of the famous uh, non get together was it when yeah. Riddick threw the WBC belt in the in the bin and therefore yeah at the behest managed. of his manager Rock Newman he said he I spoke to him about it on the Friday night at the dinner um, that he said he, of course he wanted the fight but he was advised to do that at the time mm. but I think what it's a funny story with Riddick as well I was talking to Colin Hart about this Lord Hart of Harrow one of the doyens <laughs> of boxing writers in the UK and, and Riddick years ago had shown lots of boxing writers his the plans for his new house his 75 rooms and, and they looked at the master suite his bedroom 
And his wife, by the way, was as tall as him, by the way. So God knows how tall their children are. <laughs> and and the, um, I remember Colin saying to me that we asked him, um, there's your master suite, but where's your, where's your ensuite bathroom? And he said, oh, no, I'm having a kitchen in the master suite. I'd want a kitchen in there so I can go and cook food for myself because he was a big eater. And he, and he wasn't on the night on Friday. But I think when you look at um, how it slows them, Michael Spinks was yeah. there, of course, as well. Yeah. Buster Douglas doesn't talk a great deal anymore. Mm. Um, I, you know, Michael is a very sprightly, must be in his late 60s now. Um, I'm trying to think who else was there. Um, they, they were terrific, all of them. But there is no question... And we see it every year at the Boxing Writers' Dinner at the Savoy yeah. here in London. You, you see all the guys going back, all the way to people like Sammy McCarthy from years ago, that these guys do get worn down eventually by taking punches. And, and it's a real trend at the moment for people to do white-collar boxing. And let me just urge anyone that wants to go and do this, because it is a trend, go and have a brain scan before you start training for these mm. things. You know? No, absolutely. And our thoughts and, uh, and wishes with Adonis Stevenson at this moment in time, and we wish him... Uh, a full and healthy recovery. We will keep you up to date with that uh, through our social media feeds and obviously on this show uh, as we uh, conclude the year. Um, do stick with us because speaking of conclusions, the fight between Kel Brook and Michael Zafera is currently uh, about, well, they're entering, they're in the final round at this moment in time. Um, and it has been a bit of a back and forth. I don't know how this is going to go because I've only been watching it intermittently. Uh, I would I would think that Kel's going to get a decision, but it's not been blooming easy, let me tell you. We'll uh, give you a conclusion from Sheffield on that very shortly. We'll also be looking forward uh, to Vasil Lomachenko being back in action tonight. He's taking on Jose Pedraza. Uh, to hopefully, un- one of them anyway, is going to unify that lightweight division. We'll be speaking about it next. From Ackermann, who the former featherweight world champion, the reigning, defending WBO super featherweight champion of the world, Vasily Lomachenko. Dealing with that pressure is no joke. This really high level stuff. Yeah. Unbelievable Little bit of commentary there to get you excited about a fight that's happening in the early hours of the morning. Vasil Lomachenko taking on Jose Pedraza uh, to unify uh, the lightweight division. Uh, both men, supreme athletes at multi-weights. Uh, but for me, Vasil Lomachenko is just sweet like chocolate. He is the best of the best. The best of the generation. Gareth might shoot me down here, actually, a little bit. Because I'm, yeah, fanboy. I do get a little bit fanboy. I do get a little bit, <laughs> a little bit OTT with him. Uh, but for those that have never if heard of... If you could marry a boxer, you'd marry oh, Lomachenko. I'd move in tomorrow, mate. No question about it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Vasil Lomachenko's had 12 fights. Now, this might confuse a lot of people, right? Because he's had 12 professional fights. He's won 11 of them. Nine of them, by the way, are KO. He did lose his second fight, which, by the way, was for a world title. So he lost his second fight. His amateur um, on record is uh, 396 victories, one defeat. He avenged that defeat on uh, a couple of occasions. And when I spoke to him um, recently, he did say, I don't know where 396 come from because I've definitely had over 400 fights. So that this is how good this guy is. You just need to watch him. His footwork's outstanding. Tonight, I'm actually quite excited about this, uh, Gareth, just like I was when he fought Jorge Linares recently and Guillermo Rigondeau and all those types of guys that have gone previous. He's not fighting mugs. He's fighting proper, legit champions. And Jose Pedraza... 
Uh, this uh, this way, he's probably got one of the best jabs in the game, but I fully anticipate Lomachenko to take care of him. Yeah, I mean, the, the problem I've got with this... Um, listen, you're right in everything you say. Look, uh, Lomachenko um, has been extraordinary as a boxer. You know, he's won the Val Barker Award or the Val Barker Trophy, which, um, of course, is the outstanding gold medalist at the Olympic Games, the pick of the gold medalists, if you like. Mm. He's won an Olympic gold medal at two weight divisions. As you say, in a dozen pro fights, under Bob Arum, by the way, his promoter, he's won world titles in three weight divisions. It's just the manner he's won those fights as well. There's a fascinating piece by John Denon, by the way, in this week's Boxing News, where he spoke to a guy who I know up at the English Institute of Sport, Chris Connolly, mm-hmm. Adam, who analyzes the punch output of people like Anthony Joshua and yeah. analyzes all the opponents around the world with this extraordinary algorithmic system where they look at the strengths and weaknesses of all the opponents of all our amateur boxers going into major tournaments, the world and Olympics and Commonwealths, and also people like Anthony Joshua or some of the other pros they work with. And they, they, they get it down to marginal details. And what they know with Lomachenko is that 40% of the punches he lands, and that's an extraordinary number, yeah. are extremely effective in every single fight. Mm. And he's up against a guy in Pedraza, and this is the caveat for me. He's up against a guy in Pedraza, Jose Pedraza, a very proud Puerto Rican, who's a very sharp, very clever fighter, taller than Lomachenko. I saw him fight Javonte Davis, one of yes. Floyd Mayweather's fighters, mm. Um, on the undercard of James, that very rough night when James DeGale had a draw with Badu Jack in mm-hmm. Brooklyn, uh, in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. And Javonta Davis accelerated through that fight and destroyed Pedraza in the yeah. seventh or eighth round. Coming of age fight for Javonta that it night, It really it? was. And I, and I just, because I've seen that fight, I know how Pedraza is. He's technically very gifted. As I say, he's very sharp. Um, but I just think what we've seen from Lomachenko, I think Linares is a level above Pedraza. And I do think Linares, you know, was a great test for, for Vasil Lomachenko. But I think Anatoly, Lomachenko's father, will have a, a, another brilliant game plan tonight. He'll play physical chess with Pedraza. It might go the distance, but it'll either be one-sided uh, in, in points or he'll go to the body and destroy Pedraza in six or seven rounds, rather like Javonte Davis did. What's always great when you're watching Vasil Lomachenko, whether it's training in the gym, going through his walking on his hands routine <laughs> across the ring, or, or bouncing a tennis ball on a string in an incredible way off his fists, his knees, his feet, his, you know, his head, is... He is such an amazing technician who has worked with his father from four years old. He is the, I don't know, the, the, the Messi of boxing, the, the Lionel Messi of boxing. He is the Ronaldo of, of, of boxing. He is so extraordinarily talented. If you can stay up tonight and watch it, mm. just see the skill set. He's so comfortable in the, on the inside as well, Adam. And we don't see that with so many boxers. He creates lateral angles to go to opponents' bodies. I mean, I could go on and on, and I know, and you'll just listen and listen, because <laughs> you've got little love hearts coming out of your head right now. <laughs> I know that you just mentioned his father there, Anatoly, right? Uh, for, for people that don't know too much about this particular story, so 
Um, he obviously trains his son, Vassil, but he also trains Vassil's best friend, which is Alexander Usyk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we saw last week, I know we've just been speaking about the Adonis Stevenson uh, fight and the aftermath of that, but Gvokdik, who is uh, the new WBC light heavyweight champion, he's in that crew as well, trained mm-hmm. by uh, Anatoly. And obviously Vassil and uh, Alexander Usyk were in uh, attendance last night. They're all these guys from Ukraine. There is something very, very special being brewed out in Eastern Europe at this moment in time. And these boys are coming and they are coming to take all the belts, aren't they? Yeah, I think, you know, I think what it is, I mean, I was asking Alexander Usyk this when he fought Tony Belli a few weeks ago, what is it, and, and some of his entourage as well, um, what is it about Ukraine being able to develop this group of great fo- boxers in, in this kind of foremost period, really, in, in Ukrainian boxing? And obviously, the two Klitschkos that came out, you know, for the previous decade as well, because uh, Vladimir and Vitaly mm. were extraordinary Ukrainian athletes as well. Um they have a great amateur system, but these guys that we're talking about, the likes of um, Vasil Lomachenko and the likes of Alexander Usyk, they came of age at the time when the Soviet Union was breaking up, mm. and there were lots of factions, and Alexander explained that he really did grow up in a ghetto and really had to look after himself, you know, where, where mafia gangs were taking over, and, you know, and, and groups were trying, wrestling for control of, of different areas, and we may never see a period like this in Ukraine again, you know, Adam, um, mm. because the, these guys are clearly a class above, and they, they've... They've had that kind of, um, they've grown up not just in a great amateur system, but grown up in a very tough ghetto environment as well. Can you see Pedraza um, saying no mass tonight? Again, for those that don't know, Vasil has obviously fought. Uh, he's a he's a three-weight world champion. He's only had 12 fights, this guy. And he's obviously looking to unify the division this evening. He's fought against Guillermo Rigondao, who ended up quitting. Uh, Nicholas Walters ended up quitting. Five, uh, I think it was four maybe, um, consecutive opponents ended up quitting on the seal, saying that they didn't want to come out for round seven or eight. Um, it's just, and, and this comes back to what we were talking about with Deontay Wilder a little earlier on. He frustrates people. You, you, you hit him fresh air for a lot of the period of the time, and then you ended up throwing in the towel, and that's happened a lot. Can you see that happening tonight with Pedraza? Well, his drill... The trouble is, Vazel's... He, he's like one of those... He's like one of those guys, right? Until you're up with him, you mm. know, as I was saying, the, the, the likeness to someone like Lionel Messi, until your round is left foot and trying to get the ball off him, you don't know what you're dealing with because mm. you can't practice for him. And Vasil does the same in the pocket. Uh, it, it's almost as if you, you imagine two fighters fighting inside a phone box, yeah? So they're very close to each other and they're, and they're, they're tiny little movements. Um, and the thing is with... With Pedraza, I can't see him outboxing Lomachenko, yeah. and I can't see him out. You know his physicality. He's, he's a very long, lean fighter, mm. but he's not hench. And and Vasil Lomachenko is the perfect build for lightweight. He's very stocky, still very powerful, very um kind of compact torso, powerful legs, fast hands. He never stops working. He knows all his combinations. He'll outbox Pedraza. He'll outstrength him. And the only risk in this fight, remember, he f- not only did he beat Jorge Linares, who's a three-weight world champion himself, he even um, damaged his shoulder during the fight. Yes, and had he did. To, had to alter 
the pattern of the way he was fighting not to hurt his shoulder. The only danger tonight, Adam, is if he's come back too soon after the shoulder injury and it goes again during the fight. Mm. But you know what? You can't write anything off in boxing and you certainly can't write this man off Lomachenko who seems impervious to pain and impervious to the technique of other fighters. There's another world title on that card tonight and it's a guy that we've had on this show, um, the one and only Mr. Isaac Dogby. His story is unbelievable from Ghanaian royalty uh, to South London to around the world to the WBO Bantamweight uh, Championship and now he takes on uh, Navarati tonight and I'll tell you something, the kid that he's up against Isaac Dogbo tonight can really, really punch. I think he's got 22 knockouts in 25 fights. He's going to have to be on his metal because if we remember when he became world champion beating Jesse Magdalano, he was down in that first round, Gareth. He got up, he outboxed and got mm. the stoppage late in the fight. He's going to have to be switched on his uh, young Isaac tonight and I think if he is, he could set up some super fights with the likes of Ray Vargas and, and the like in this division because... He's got the personality, hasn't he? Oh, he's a very compelling, very charismatic figure, based, of course, I think it's Miguel's in Brixton, right. isn't it? He boxed yeah. the same gym as Dillian White, yeah. the British heavyweight. No, he, he's a phenomenal story. His father, Paul, is his coach, of course. Um, you know, the, the, they, 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 they stretch him to the limit of pain and endurance <laughs> and stamina in, in training camps. He really is, you know, he's seen as a model... Um, young man in his in in his in his in his native home as well as you know he's based in Britain of course um, but the thing is I think the advantage for him he's had a fantastic year as you say brilliant he, he kind of stole the WBO title uh, super bantamweight title from Maddaleno Jesse Maddaleno earlier in the, um, in when was that in August wasn't it no that was earlier in the year wasn't yeah, it yeah. April August um, was his first defence when he that's first right. round stoppage yeah. okay oh Hidenori Atoki uh, um. Yeah, Ataki. That was again. He just could not live with him. The thing what I've no, that I've noticed with with Isaac Adam is that he he is an all out puncher. That's what he is. He's mm. not going to go in there and throw the jab and try and win rounds. The advantage he's got against this Mexican Emmanuel Navarrete tonight, and Navarrete, as you say, you know, eighty percent knockout record in his twenty five and one record, twenty five wins, one loss, is that Navarrete likes to throw in the same way, really throw heavy shots, but he tends to lead with his chin a little bit. And if and if that happens, I expect Isaac to take full advantage. Don't sleep on this fight. It is going to be the fight of the night. Forget your fanboy stuff on Lomachenko for now. <laughs> this this will deliver as a thriller. They could both be down in this fight. And I do think Isaac will come home with the WBO belt still in his possession. Just a quick note for people that are going to stay up. Try and get up a little bit earlier uh, or, or get to this fight a little bit earlier because I know that Isaac's on there. You're definitely going to watch that. You're definitely mm. going to want to watch uh, Vasil Lomachenko. Uh, my tip, my prospect for my international prospect for 2019 is a guy called Tiaforma Lopez. He is fighting uh, tonight. Listen, I fully anticipate him to win. You're not going to learn too much about him. He's had 10 fights, 10 victories, but he is so entertaining. He, he knocks kids out. He does unbelievable celebrations. If you're into that Fortnite game, he does all that type of carry on. He's uh, a thoroughly co colourful character, so make sure you check him out as well at uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, do stick with us uh, because we're going to be speaking to Eddie Hearn next, live from Sheffield. In fact, what we're going to do is, um, before we go to break, we'll speak to Eddie now because I know he's pressed for time. Eddie, welcome to the show. How are you? Yeah, I can, can hear you. We've got you, mate. We've got you. Superb. Right, thank you so thank much you. for joining us on the show. It's uh, Adam and Gareth, mate. Um, we've obviously just seen uh, Kel come through his fight, get a points decision. What did you make of it? Well, I think he was rusty, to be honest with you. He didn't really have much sharpness tonight. I mean, he won the fight easily enough. 
It looked like after the, you know, it was a blistering start, looked fantastic for three or four rounds, and then sort of, uh, you know, tailed off. Looked a bit rusty, looked a bit flat at times, looked like he was trying too hard. And I think there's a certain few fighters out there watching tonight, they might be jumping all over a, a fight with Kel Brook because, you know, he got a solid win but wasn't spectacular. Does it make it more difficult, um, a performance like that, to make the fight with Amir Khan? Or did you, as you're insinuating there, does it make it easier? I think it makes it easier. For, I mean, the, the fight's done. The fight's there. It's just for Amir to say, yes, let's do it. So, you know, if you're talking about fighting Terence Crawford or Kel Brook and getting double the money to fight Kel Brook, you know, you've got to be looking at that performance and say, Kel Brook wasn't at Terence Crawford's levels tonight. So the, so, so, so the ball oh, is well... It probably makes it... No, the ball's in Amir's court. It yeah. always has been in Amir's court. You know, yeah. and he'll make it... You know, he's got, you know, Terence Crawford's a great fight for him, but Kel Brook is a huge all-British fight. And he may look at tonight and say, well, maybe, you know, maybe the best Kel Brook is behind him. But it's so interesting that every time they fight, the odds swap. You know, before <laughs> Khan Vargas, after Khan stopped the Greco in 30 seconds, Khan was a big favourite. He, he fought Vargas, Kel Brook became the favourite, and now Amir Khan becomes a big favourite. So, mm. you know, I, don't, I think it's very hard to predict what's going to happen, but it is now or never. Mm. Um, Eddie, is there a sense that, I mean, we, we managed to watch most of the fight um, on the monitors here. I mean, is there a sense that, I don't want to say Cal was under-motivated, but th th maybe some of the lack of sharpness tonight was he was expected to win this, expected to win yeah, well. I think, put, I think he put pressure on himself, Gary. Yeah, I think yeah. He forced it a lot. You know, he was trying hard. He nearly had him out of there in the first round. Mm -hmm. so, and then he just kept forcing it and forcing it, and Zarafa was keeping his head very low. He was being awkward. And maybe Kel you know, went to Zarafa's level a little bit during the fight and got a bit frustrated. But listen, he, you know, he won the fight comfortably by seven or eight rounds. So he's the mandatory challenger for Jarrett Hurd, 154 pounds. Mm -hmm. That's a tough fight. Mm. But, you know, you know the one we all want. We want the Amir Khan fight. And like I said, if you're Amir Khan, you've got to be looking at that and thinking, I can beat Kel Brook. Mm. You know, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, Kel moves into 2019 in the search for big fights, whether that's Amir or not. Fingers crossed. Just a quick one, Eddie, because I know you're pressed for time. Um, obviously, Josh mm. Kelly didn't fight tonight due to uh, illness. What's the latest? Can we uh, will, will we see him versus Avencian before the end of the year? Are yeah. you looking 2019? You, you won't see it before the end of the year, but you'll definitely see the fight. I mean, I saw Avencian and his team accusing Josh Kelly of ducking. You know, he had a virus that he picked up yesterday, felt dreadful today, and, you know, couldn't fight. He wasn't fit to fight. Yeah. It's not right to put a fighter in the ring when they're not medically fit to perform and fight. It's dangerous enough as it is, so... He'll have a little chip on his shoulder now because a lot of people are accusing him of, of ducking out of the fight last moment. So that's going to be a good fight about February next year. Kelly will, will fight Avicien. And it's a good test for him. No, we, we, were, standing tonight. we were saying that on the show, Eddie, that there's no way that, um, you know, if someone's got a virus, they're back stiff or they, they, they're they yeah. really not ill. You do not put them in there. And yourself and Adam would oh, not and, do and, that. And to of a course, fighter. yeah, if you're, if you're, a, if you're a, um, you know, a, a young prospect and you've got everything to lose, why would you risk going in there at 30 or 40% and ruining your career. Mm. You know, a lot, a lot of people were upset. I, well, I was upset. I wanted to see the fight. But at the end of the day, some things are unavoidable. So, mm. you know, Kelly will come again. He's going to be a future world champion. And him against Avicim will be a great fight. And there'll be a little bit more spice to that one now. You know, good, great fight tonight between John O'Carroll uh, and Fremois. Very close fight, a draw. And Anthony Fowler was absolutely spectacular. He's going to fight Scott Fitzgerald next. And the winner of that fight will fight Ted Cheeseman for the for the British and maybe European titles. Eddie, and, and on the heavyweights, um, we haven't heard you on our show talk about Tyson Fury and. I'm, uh, I'm keeping a low profile, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> you never, you can't. You've been keep in a LA this week. What are you talking you, about, man? You, I tried. 
I tried that before. <laughs> I tried to talk about it before, and it bit me in the bum. So I'm not saying anything about the negotiations. Yeah. You can all go away and leave me alone and get, <laughs> let me get on with it, yeah, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, so it, was tra- you... from, it was a great performance from Tyson Fury. There's obviously a rematch with Wilder. If Wilder wants to become the undisputed champion of the world, there's only one fight for him to take. But I don't know how important that is to him. You know, it's, it's, it's certainly important to us. And it's important, should be important to everyone's legacy. Listen, we'd fight Fury in April. You know, he messaged me the other day and I've passed on my congratulations and he deserves a huge amount of respect for proving me wrong again. Again. But what a time for the heavyweight division. Yeah, I believe we have the number one heavyweight in the world and he's going to consistently prove that over time. And we'll see what happens on April the 13th. But first, don't miss White v. Chisora. It's going to be a barn burner December 22nd, Sky Sports box office. Now, look at that. Always selling. <laughs> I like it. Listen, mate, thank you so much for being on the show. Cheers, Take care. Eddie. Cheers, cheers. What's up, man? Eddie Hayne there, uh, live from Sheffield, off the uh, back of the Kelbrook fight. We, we kind of caught the back end of that there, uh, Gareth. And, uh, and I think Eddie was fair enough there. You know, I think yeah. early doors he looked sharp, did Kel, but then he just stopped. And he then was... it looked like he was in real trouble at certain points. Uh, I, 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 uncomfortable, I'd say. But yeah, but the, the thing is, he lost interest, Adam. He, there was, yeah. it, was, it, was a, it was a it was a lose-lose from that. I don't no, it wasn't a lose-lose, but there wasn't a lot to gain out of that fight for him. It was a, keep, it was a treading water fight. He's had the disappointment in the week. It, what he wanted to hear was Amir Khan was coming to the fight, stepping into the ring, and they were going to fight in March. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. As simple as that. And you could see in his body language that, the, the, you know, but, that he wasn't going to get beaten by this guy, but the, 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 he, he didn't... He just wasn't up for it, and, he, and he, he just lost interest. He's so comfortable in the ring, and he didn't look great. But I tell you what, it's been great to have both Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn on tonight, both selling their side to the heavyweight story. Listen to Hearn. He's not talking about it, but he got <laughs> stuck right in there then, didn't he? Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Uh, do stick with us. We'll give you a, a full synopsis of what's just happened in Sheffield. Uh, and, of course, we've got a little bit of MMA to talk about as well. That's all coming up before the end of the show. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. Tonight's show's absolutely flown by. It really has. Hasn't it? God, um, it's unbelievable. Get on the podcast. It will be available for you straight after the show via TalkSport.com and via iTunes. We've had a plethora of guests talking from Eddie Hearn a couple of moments ago, talking everything in Sheffield and the heavyweights. I, I like being with you, Gareth, because you, you, you've, you've genuinely no filter. You just go straight in there. I, 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 I fluff them up and you no, go in there no, for the kill. Do you, do you know what? I was thinking, when's he going to ask a question about the heavyweights? <laughs> and, 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 and do you know what? Because I know that everyone's going, who's listening is going, come on, ask him about Fury. <laughs> and, and listen, do you know what? I'm starting to rub off on you you are you just used the word plethora yeah you did yeah. <laughs> I'm getting big time now mate <laughs> so we've had Eddie Hearn on the show we've had uh, Frank Warren on the show Ben Davison's been on we've yeah. heard from uh, Anthony Fowler and the likes that have been involved in, uh, in in the show in Sheffield so it's all available on the podcast make sure you get stuck in and to talk us through everything that's happened in Sheffield our very own Dom McGuinness who's been there tonight is joining us now Dom great to have you on how are you mate I'm very well, thank you. I'm still here. They're just de-rigging. Everything's uh, settling well, down a do little bit. do you know what I like I, about I, you? Right, you are the epitome of graft, mate, because as I was coming to the studio tonight, I heard you were Old Trafford, mate. That's what I heard. So you were doing the footy at Old Trafford. You've obviously got on the old, uh, I don't know, M62. Which way have you gone? You've gone straight over to Sheffield and then the show over there. Yeah, well, I've, I've gone the Woodhead Pass. Um, but, old school, yeah, old school. I, I, I managed to, uh, to get across pretty quickly after... 
after um, doing the business, you know, obviously doing the interviews and all the rest of it after the game at Old Trafford. But, but yeah, it's, it's been double a, invoice, it's been Dom. A, double invoice. That's what it's all about. He's son. after a bit of coin tonight. <laughs> that's what it is. He's on the coin. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting day and an interesting evening as well. But obviously, I think more questions than answers as far as Kel uh, yeah, and, yeah. and that return. I mean, it was it was a bit. Is a bit flat, and I think inside the arena it didn't help him. And, and you know, obviously, I think it, you know he, he bashed him up a little bit. He bashed Rafa up a bit in the first round. Probably yeah. thought it's going to going to be light work this, and then he was going nowhere. He was eating a bit of leather all throughout the fight, Kel as well. So, you know, again, he said it. He said himself, it's rustiness. Uh, it's his first fight with John Fuchs. He said the training camp couldn't have gone any better. Everything was right. It just it just what kind of didn't spark for him tonight, but. Again, if anything, though, if it does make that uh, the Amir Khan fight happen, because Khan looking at that thinking, well, that could be an easy night's work, then he's done his job tonight, if you yeah. like. But, <laughs> I you know, love we'll, that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll wait and see. I mean, Kel's going to come out now and, and do the press conference, so we'll, we'll see what he says. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't think it, it's what he envisioned in terms of his night's work tonight. I thought, you know, he probably thought it was going to be, uh, he'd probably get rid of Zarafa and, mm. and then, you know, obviously all the other chat can continue, but we wait and see. Dom, Tom, gone. Sorry, Ad. Sorry. Um, Dom, were you there on? Um, was it Wednesday night when Tyson Fury went to Old Trafford? I was indeed. Yeah, yeah, what, what, was just, t- just tell us a little bit about the um, the reception and the atmosphere for for Fury at Old Trafford. Well, he wasn't actually there in an official capacity with Manchester United, so there was no kind of parading on the pitch or any of that waving to the crowd that you get. You know, obviously when champs belts, obviously he didn't do that anyway, but. What it was, he was there, uh, and it, it was a BT Sport game, so he was there to do an yeah. interview with BT Sport right. pitch side, and then he just, after doing that, there was no official announcement of him being there. So the crowd, you know, there's no Tannoy announcement, any of that. But when he was walking down the touchline and then walking through the stand to his seat, you could see the reception, and you could see everyone got wind of it. Uh, he got a fantastic reception. Uh, you know, he had to have a selfie with absolutely everybody. <laughs> making way to the, as to he the, does, as he does. Box. Yeah, uh, he... he he was lapping it up, you know. He was uh, he was obviously engaging with everybody, but you could just see, you know, uh, he couldn't have imagined that even a year ago. Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, going back, uh, even when after he beat Klitschko, he wouldn't have got anything like that kind of reaction. So, mm. just shows you, you know, the hearts and minds kind of thing that has happened with Tyson. Mm, absolutely, mate. Listen, on the undercard tonight, uh, the the main, the core main. Uh, was John O'Carroll. I'll tell you something, I was watching that on the monitors here, pal. What an absolute ding-dong that was. I'll be honest, yeah. looking at it on the screen, it might have been different in the arena as we as we found out previously. I thought John O was a little bit lucky tonight to get the to get a draw out of that. I, th- I went with the Frenchman by two rounds. Yeah, well, well John O himself thought he'd just nicked it, speaking to him afterwards. And, and again, he, he was he was pretty bashed up as well. There's lots of heads flying in. And I think it was, the, you know, what probably just about got John O over the line in terms of the draw was his relentless nature and the mm. fact that you know, he just never took a backward step. He was just yeah. constantly, he was constantly plowing forward. He was getting caught because, you know, the reach advantage of Fremois was pretty obvious, and, and he he was catching, and, and he was smart. You know, the French fellow was smart. His camp were were absolutely fuming, and I'm not talking just, you know, in the ring after the fight. All around afterwards, they were still arguing. They were still arguing with some of Jono's camp as well. Jono, the Jono and Fremois themselves, they were the best of pals afterwards. Mm. They were they were having pictures together afterwards, and Fremois was instigating that as well. And Fremois was making Jono do a big roar to his camera and all the rest of it. And you know, they they were the best of mates, but the two camps were not were not the best. And there was a lot of arguing, a lot of bickering, and, and a lot of unhappiness, particularly on the French side. Because, as you say, I think overall ringside, the feeling was that Jono had got out of jail a little bit. But Jono himself was saying afterwards, "Well, why was there a French judge? There was no Irish judge." Yeah, fair said, point. I don't want to make a big deal. Don't want to make a big deal of it. But the French fellow gave gave the French fighter 
you know, the, the, the winner, if you like, and mm. where was my judge? So, you know, he, he was slightly agreed by that, but overall, you know, it was, it was one of them. He, he was still smiling at the end of it, John, who just said, you know, it is what it is, and Dom, we'll wait and see what happens. Dom, did you not say to them, ce n'est pas la guerre, c'est la vie, <laughs> as Napoleon would have said. That's what you need. And much more. Yeah, yeah. that's what you need, mate. Uh, how did kid uh, Galahad get on tonight? Yeah, he got through it. I mean, again, it, it, it's, a, it's a strange night, really. I mean, that was that was the first fight I got to see. I got here just in time um, for the Kid Galahad fight. And, uh, you know, again, it, you know, he was sat at the ringside again uh, to, to see Kel at the end of the fight as well. But, you know, it wasn't wasn't standout. It wasn't... Um, and, again, and again, you know, I don't think the, the quality was there in his opponent either. But, you know, I think overall, it, it, you're looking at the fights that, that I saw and, and the John O'Carroll, well, you've got to say that Anthony Fowler was the, was the fellow that... that Stole the show. I mean, it's a first-round blowout, if you like, of Paz. But this is Paz. You know, again, he's been in with some good operators, and Fowler with a body shot mm. made light work for himself. And and again, he's set up nicely the the Fitzgerald fight. That's going to happen now. Mm. Fingers crossed, mate. That's what he needs, isn't it? He needs a proper test now, does Anthony? Yeah, well, uh, you know, again, he he was disappointed afterwards because he didn't get rounds. But, you know, that was meant to be a bit of a step up. It just <laughs> it didn't pan out that way in terms of rounds because he got him out of there. And, mm. you know, I, I don't think I mean, on reflection he should be unhappy with that. It's just that, again, it's, it, he wanted to, to show his skills because he feels that he's better than ever. He's been working so hard with Dave Colwell in the gym and, you know, he's had such a tough training camp. But he just wanted to put on a bit of a show. And, and he did. It just went extremely quickly. But, you know, it's going to be early March, himself against Scott Fitzgerald. Gerald, former GB teammates, of course, and I think Fitzgerald's going to have a little tune-up in January just to test a hand. He's had an, an operation, but all, all is well with that. So, mm. uh, yeah, that, that, that one's going to happen as well. Top man, Dom. Thanks for your time, mate. Much yeah, appreciated. Dom. Uh, Dom McGuinness there in Sheffield, keeping an eye on everything that happened on the Kelbrook undercard. Coming up next, uh, myself and Gareth are going to talk a little bit about MMA. Do stick around because it's UFC 231 in Toronto tonight. Don't worry, we're not going to wreck anything when it comes to uh, Cage Warriors 100, just in case you've recorded it and you're on your way home to watch it. Maybe you've been out tonight for a few beers and what have you. You have something to eat and you want to watch that. Don't worry, we're not going to wreck that. We won't give you any results of that, so you can go home and watch it. Uh, but we're also going to preview Bellator's event next weekend as well. So stick with us. This is Fight Night on TalkSport. Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davis on TalkSport. When you hear the Neil Diamond, you know it's nearly time for us to wrap it up. If you've missed any part of the show, it's available on a podcast. Uh, talksport.com and you can also get us on iTunes uh, we finish uh, by talking a little bit of mixed martial arts because this is fight night it is the majority boxing of course uh, but we appreciate there are some mixed martial arts fans that listen to this show so we thought we'd give you a little bit of a tickle uh, as to a, a few little uh, interesting bouts that I want you to pay attention to in the early hours of the morning um, UFC 231 gets underway um, very shortly uh, in fact the undercard's actually underway as we speak um, Toronto is the destination, but the main event, Max Holloway, Brian Ortega, Gareth, this one absolutely fascinates me. Around about a year ago, I, I wouldn't have given anybody a cat in house chance against Max Holloway, but with the year that he's had with illness and all these types of things, weird little bits and bats happening to him and fights falling off and Brian Ortega's rise to where, he, obviously fighting for a title this evening, I find this a really riveting matchup. 
Yeah, you know, um, I sat with Max Holloway, I've known since he was 19, yeah? Like, personally known since he was 19. Terrific fighter. His one really bad defeat was to Conor McGregor, of course, yeah. in Boston. But for me, a year ago, I sat with him in Vegas, did a fantastic interview in the food court in the MGM Grand. And um, it was a cover story Fights Only magazine. And he was brilliant with me. He's always been amazing with me. And I just noticed, Adam that he was growing and he's like six foot one now and he's trying to make featherweight. Yeah. His family are very large. He's a Hawaiian. They, you know, they drink, they eat. In the last year, injuries and making weight has been a, a massive issue for him. And he's 27 now. Even yeah. though he looks like a youngster. I, I've picked him to win against Brian Ortega tonight. And I think a year ago, Max Holloway was the most improved fighter in the UFC. Yeah, he was a man. He, he was, was a man. exactly. And, um, Ortega is so solid as a fighter and is really is such an extraordinary and and and, and life affirming man. Mm. Um, he's he's got an amazing backstory. As has Max Holloway, to be honest. Um, you know, gr- brought up by his grandparents, a very rough culture, um, and um, I just feel I've picked Holloway to win tonight. But I just feel if he's had any problem, he made the weight yesterday, I watched yeah. the weigh-ins, you watched it, I'm sure. Mm. If there's any problems with that weight, if it's really taken out of him, Ortega will exploit it tonight. And mm. I think you've picked on that basis, I imagine. Yes, I have. I have. Uh, I just fancy Brian Ortega. The way that he uh, finished Frank Yeager in his last fight was absolutely outstanding. And I think that just based on what you've just said there, if, the, if he has struggled at any point, Max, mm. during this camp, mm. I think Brian uh, could be classed as the new champion. Uh, the co-men's a, a fascinating matchup for the flyweight uh, title with the girls. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko against Johanna Jancic. I'm a massive fan of Johanna. Massive, massive fan. But it pains me to say this, that I think she's really up against it tonight. Valentina, the bullet, uh, Shevchenko, she is formidable. Yeah, she's, you know, I mean, again, this is quite a similar kind of, you know, you've done a similar pick. You've gone for Shevchenko, haven't you? And I've I've gone for Joanna rebounding um, in this I fight. hope so. I yeah, really hope I mean, so. But, but, but like Holloway... She's shown that vulnerability about her. She was she was untouchable as the as the strawweight champion. Yeah. She's moved up to flyweight, hasn't she? Mm-hmm. From from hundred and what is it, hundred and ten pounds? One fifteen to one twenty five. To one twenty five. It's one oh six to one fifteen, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um strawweight. Um weirdly. Um so I just think it's a massive test for her tonight. But she was untouchable mm. as that strawweight champion for two and a half, three years. Shevchenko is a brilliant fighter. She's, again, we talked about Eastern Europeans. You know, she's uh, she's a Kyrgyz, isn't she? She's Kyrgyzstani-Peruvian, yeah. amazingly. A Kyrgyzstani-Peruvian, how the devil did those two meet? <laughs> you nearly slipped. Do you slipped. know what I mean? You nearly slipped. What did they meet in Olympic? <laughs> yeah, I did, I did. They, they, did they meet in an Olympic village or something? Listen, I've been on the Badass Girls show tonight on talk radio. Talking, Have you really? Talking sex toys. Uh, Use that word. I don't know if you can. I think he has I to press the button now. Um, but a penis extender, because I was on that show and they're sitting on the desk next to me. Um, so I just made me think of Peruvians and Kyrgyz. <laughs> we were talking about MMA five minutes ago. This is how dark this, this is, show gets. This is, this is look. It's, this it's, sounds it's, like me and you in the bar in LA, it's, mate. It's you nearly, need to calm it. It's nearly the witching hour. Listen, <laughs> let me just tell you this. I'm on holiday again, on Adam, as you'd call it on Monday. I'm going yes. to Hawaii. Yes, I believe so. To see the yeah. first two big Bellator events there. Let's move on very quickly. Quickly, tell me about this next week because we've only got a minute. Uh, or so Ali, left. Ali Malay McFarlane, again against Valerie Letourneau. Um 
Elaine McFarlane went to um, high school with Barack, the same school as Barack Obama. She's an amazing story. For the first time, they love MMA. They love fighting and surfing, of course, in Hawaii. I don't know if they like sex toys, but I'm going to take them with me. <laughs> and, and, and basically, it's going to be an amazing event. there um, On the Friday, Brent Primus against Michael Chandler for the lightweight title. They both throw down those two. Um, Liam McGeary, the Brit, is against Mola Wall on that card. It's going to be an extraordinary week. You know, you've got a fight for the troops on the Friday and a big event on the Saturday. Two events in Honolulu, two two nights in a row. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? It's, a, it's such a big time for fight sports, Adam, and we are gifted and privileged to be front, centre and back with it all. Just a quick one because we've got a minute left, right? I just want to, I just want to have a go at Bellator. MVP... Yeah. versus Daly. Why is it happening in Connecticut? DAZN would not, because they bought that series, the welterweight tournament, they would not allow it to be in the UK. And I am as disappointed as you. February, what is it, the 15th or whatever, in Connecticut, it has to be live. They've guaranteed me that it will be live on YouTube if they have not got a TV deal by then. People will be able to watch it live in the UK. It's the biggest all-British MMA fight out there right now. It mm. has to be live. Mm, fingers crossed they get that sorted, my friend, because we, we need it. And that is the biggest British MMA fight yeah. of all time, yeah. as you've just said, mate. Listen, no the sex toys it. are in the post to you, mate. Thanks, buddy. To your home address. Make sure they're not used. <laughs> this is turned into the most weird ending. I don't know if the badass girls were using them. <laughs> oh, stop it now. Stop it now. You've lowered the decorum of the show. We were doing so well. You've taken me back to L.A. for a minute. Uh, listen, Garrison at Hawaii next week. Uh, so he'll be giving us a little bit of an update from out there. Obviously, we've got Rocky Fielding Canelo in the early hours of uh, the morning off the back of next week's show. So that'll be all next week as we preview. And then, of course, we'll be looking ahead towards two blockbusting pay-per-views uh, the week after as we look forward to uh, White Chisora Part 2 and then Warrington versus Frampton, an absolute cracker uh, in Manchester. Thank you very much for listening to us. As I keep telling you throughout the course of the show, this will be podcasted. It's available on TalkSport.com. You can also get it on iTunes. Make sure you download, make sure you subscribe, and come and join us every single week. We'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along, and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.